With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare what's up this your boy little duval and check out my podcast conversations with unk on the black effect podcast network each and every tuesday conversations with unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness unlike my work on stage i tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh every tuesday listen to conversation with unk hosted by Lil duval on the black effect podcast network iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. And once again, living the dream on a fabulous Saturday. It is Hartman and Papinga coming alive from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 15% or more in your car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Brady. How you feeling today, man? Hey. Lots of things hey, going you know, on. Oh, man. Tons of stuff going on. But it's finally, man. It's good to be with you, bud. Yes. I was out of town last week. And uh, I know there was a lot of action going on last week. But, man, there are some fun stuff to talk about there, Stevie. There is a lot of things going on. We are just a couple weeks away from the NFL draft. So, you know, we're going to be all over the draft as old. <laughs> and, uh, of course, the NBA playoffs are going to be starting next week. So we're looking forward to that. Uh- Playoffs, but of course we do have to start off with the Masters right now, and and you know the Masters third round is going on, and the Tiger Woods factor uh, cannot be overstated as far as the ratings are concerned. First round ratings on ESPN were up forty percent. Second round Ooh. ratings were up fifty five percent. The problem is, by the time they get to their coverage today, Tiger and Phil's game will already be over uh, as they are limping along right now. Uh, Phil won over on the day. Tiger even par on the day. Uh, but they their rounds will be long over by the time we get to the uh, network coverage. So, uh, you know, it's sort of the it's it's sort of like a tease. I look at it like. Yeah, you know, it it confirms the fact that there is a lot of interest in Tiger Woods. There's no question about that. But can he really ever truly contend at this level? And that's... That's There's going no to question, be the big Steve. problem. I mean, I mean, you know, we 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 thought. How long going ago, in. Steve? Though, how long ago did he he started? I mean, he how did he, how long ago did he start his real? He's, he's only he's I mean, only he played in eight. Play tur- he's played eight tournaments. This is the ninth tournament he's played in this comeback since he had spinal 
fusion surgery. Yeah. Which nobody's ever in the history of golf come back and, and actually been any remnants of their former self, by the Correct. way, which he's already looking. He has flashes. And that's my whole point. Like, when everybody was giving him, like, the nod as the favorite for the Masters, I'm like, dude, there's that's just too high of expectations. Right. I don't care who you're talking about because, hey, he's just starting a comeback trail. He's still got to get into the groove of when he's in a pe- pressure-packed environment. And I don't know if you followed, I forget what tournament it was. He was contending, and right at the end, he botched a drive, a, a hole, it was a par five, easy par five, well, easy in the, their, the pro sets, that most guys were birdieing it, and he hooked it. Like, no, I forget the tournament name, but the point is, is they interviewed him after the, the tournament. I mean, he was right there. If he would have just done what he had done the three, three previous days, which was birdie, and at times almost eagle that hole, he would have been right there, right? So they interview him, and they're like, what happened there, Tiger? And he goes, well, I got the club. And he's like, I couldn't settle my mind on what I wanted to do. And so when I took the swing, I was in a space of uncertainty, which to me tells me that he's still feeling out like what exactly it is that he is 100% convicted and wanting to do, given the situation, which only repetition will ultimately bring you to that point. So when he said that, I was like, okay. I mean, if he comes out in the Masters and somehow wins this with all the fanfare, like you talked about already, Steve, the heightened level of you know, the ratings, more people watching. I mean, that that would be like the greatest accomplishment in the history of sports that we know ever, the infinity times infinity in the past and the forward. That's how difficult it is. The fact that he's at where he's at right now already shows he's right on track within the next year to be the Tiger. We all knew him to be, Steve. Well, uh, I would love to agree with you, but I can't. And here here's the problem for of Tiger. Course, Steve, of course. He's not playing enough. In other words, for Tiger Woods exactly. to get back, yeah. you know, back at the height of his career when he could essentially just show up at any tournament and win uh, when he was at 100% health, those days are gone. And when you look at what, what we're reminded of, again, with this tournament is we not watch not only Tiger fall apart and really be a non-factor, uh, but the same thing with 47-year-old Phil Mickelson, another guy that a lot of people yeah. said, well, he won a, uh, the WGC tournament. And maybe he could, uh, you know, break Nicholas's record as the oldest Masters champion ever, a year older than when Jack won that uh, six-screen jacket back in 1986. You know, Phil shot 79 yesterday and then opened with a triple bogey today. I mean, he is third to last of those that made the cut. But you're also reminded of the young talent. So when you look at the top of the leaderboard and you see Jordan Spieth and you see Rory McIlroy and you see Justin Thomas and you see Dustin Johnson and you see Ricky Fowler and you see all these names, not to mention, obviously, a Patrick Reed who's winning right now. These are young, hungry guys. They're at the top of the game. It would take the depth of the field now is so much greater than it was when Tiger was at his peak. You know, he had Phil, maybe Ernie Els, but there are more good young golfers. So for Tiger Woods to win a major golf championship, you know, where you have the elite of the elite all playing on the toughest courses for these major golf championships, he would have to play a brand of golf, again, that we have not seen. And remember, he hasn't won any majors in 10 years. And he would also need all these other young guys to all have an off week, like none of them could have a good week, and Tiger would have to accelerate his game to an, a next level. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I am saying it's improbable. And I think what we saw, like you said, you've seen flashes of Tiger. Flashes do yeah. not win major golf 
championships. When you watch. No, but they give you an indication that you're in the right path of returning. But he's or at least not putting even yourself, close right now. Oh, he's good. No. He's not close, but he's within striking distance. I'll put it that way. How is he in striking distance of winning? I'm not saying of winning a tournament. I'm talking about winning a major tournament. Yeah, what what I mean in striking distance is he's showing flashes of being able to grind out bad shots when he drives it off into the to the rough and he's able to recover and birdie the hole. Like that was his vintage style of play. He he has shown that he's capable of doing that. And you you hit the nail on the head in the sense that. For him to get back to that same kind of space he was at when he was dominating the golfing world, it's going to re- require repetition at an unbelievable level. He has which to play at that more age, tournaments listen to, now, right? Listen, listen to me, Steve. How's he going to do that? He, you're exactly right. And at his age, it's really not – his body's not meant to do that. But I'll tell you this. Golf world knows that they need Tiger. Yes. Because if we don't have Tiger, I don't care how great these guys are. I don't care. I could care less. I used golf before Tiger came back from his comeback as an ambient. On a Sunday afternoon, I want to take a nap. Okay, my kids are screaming. I'm going to go into my TV room, close the door. I'm putting on the golf channel or whatever tournament's going, Masters, whatever. I'm going to sleep. Tiger's on. I can't. I mean, this is unbelievable. People know that. Point is, golf knows that. Point is, does golf have a drug test? Mm, They sort of don't. Hmm. Tiger can take stuff, get away with it. Get the repetitions he needs. And oh, by the way, there was always a little whisper out there, Stevie, that he was on something. Well, there My was point more is, than a whisper, that and that's why made, a lot of people said well, his body ultimately I'm fell apart. You, I'm telling you, though, that the golf world, including you know whoever oh, oversees the golf, drug testing, yeah, inside stuff, I don't think that they're going to try to you know bark down his door or try to investigate him if he's doping. And if I was him... I'm not saying dope. I'm not saying that's what he's doing. But it, I mean, I, I, I'm not. I wouldn't do it. But I wouldn't put it past him. Well, How about that? Again, I wouldn't again, put it past Tiger. So I'm gonna he, pull back if I was him. Because if I was him, I wouldn't do it. But I would have put it past Tiger. And if he does do it, and guess what? Golfing world is not gonna get in his way. And that's why I believe everybody wants it to happen so bad that it may eventually happen. Which I'm predicting it will. I believe we will see Tiger back in his prime dominating golf world's going to eat it up because it will become one of the greatest stories in the history of sports steve you're you're delusionary i mean i i i would want to think I so am i am delusional only in the mind of another delusional person well i i've been known to be delusional <laughs> i'm not going to deny that but i mean oh, i i mean really? i just i just you know it, it will be interesting as i mentioned espn covering the uh first and second rounds 40 percent 55 percent in two days increase from a year ago CBS this weekend is going to get nothing, nothing, because by the time they go to their coverage, Tiger's <laughs> exactly. already going to be gone. I mean, he's he's not even going to be they'll playing be ambient again because they pick yeah, it up. They pick up the leaders teeing off at one. Well, by the time that the leaders tee off at one, Tiger's round will already be it's over. Done. So what they were praying yeah. for is that somehow Tiger today, after 73, 75, and he even talked about it yesterday. You know, how about a sixty-eight? You know, if he'd gotten to, let's say, a 68, so gotten back sure. to even par, at least then. And he was close. How Steve, was he, he was close, though. He, he I mean, started the day bogey, times, bogey today. Just out those putts. Bogey, bogey. Yeah, that's so tough, now, tough then, then, then he's yeah. had two birdies since to get back to even on the day. But, I mean, the, what they're praying for right now, and then, and the round's not over, all right? So he's got... He's got the the two par fives yeah. coming up, thirteen and fifteen. But it's raining. This is the problem, Steve. It's raining, and, and it this makes is what it a longer understand. course. When it's raining, 
Well, not to okay. Let's not even talk golf. Let's talk body, okay? Right. When I lived in Green Bay or Wyoming, colder places of the world, you know how bad my body felt. And I'm talking like I was like young, okay, 18, like my formative years, adolescent years. All of a sudden, you'd go to Florida or Cali or a warm place. Wow, wow, you felt like holy smokes. I feel like I've you know gone backwards in age. I'm getting younger. And so it, it works against an older guy who has a tremendous history of injuries and their joint injuries like your knee, your back, to have to wake up early and go out and do a colder environment and get yourself going, especially a game like golf where there's all that twisting and torquing. It just doesn't work to his favor in reality. I mean, if it was a warmer day, yeah, the ball would travel further, all that kind of stuff like you talk about, but still his body would feel better. So he's it, it compounds you know, the fact that he's got to get up early in the morning and go out there and golf because he's got to deal with a little extra stiffness and in golf, as you know, that that's not a good thing. It doesn't translate to playing at a high level. So, I mean, it's, it's, everything's working against the guy. Let's just be honest. But I mean, it, it, the point I'm trying to make is uh, with the bogeys, he should get better just by virtue of getting out there and getting moving and getting his body loosened up a little bit more, but we'll see. All right. Uh, we've got a lot to do today. Uh, the NFL draft two weeks away. We're going to get into that. Uh, Alex Marvez will be joining us, of course, but I want to get a little follow-up on the masters itself. Not so much for the golf, but tradition. Is tradition still yes. relevant in the world of sports today? From the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, the cold, hard truth. Coming up next. Hartman and Papanga on a Saturday. Hey, you got to get a Hooters. Try those new smoke wings. Whole new way to crave wings. And with all the taste and half the calories, you can eat twice as many. Out at Hooters. When we talk about the Masters, the first thing that comes to mind is the tradition. I mean, this is only it's built into the name, right? It's 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 yeah. the oh, tradition yeah. of the Masters. But I'm just wondering in this day and age if tradition history has any real bearing on the new level of sports fan. Let me give an example here, Brady. You know, all okay, the, yeah. all the different halls of fame, okay? You got in Cooperstown mm-hmm, and yeah. Canton, Ohio mm-hmm. and uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. A lot of these Hall of Fames have yeah. been around for a long, long time. Here's the reality. When you have the induction ceremonies, you'll see the big crowds out there and everything else and <laughs> you know, and they, yeah. they they're there to support the new inductees and everything else. But once that induction day goes, the numbers of people that actually go to visit these halls of fame have been Not dwindling mightily over the years. I mean, it, I mean, major drops in people, you know, because it used to be if you were a baseball fan, your thought was, man, I got to make one trek to Cooperstown. I've got to go there exactly. once. If I'm a big pro football hall of fame, I got to get to Canton, man. I got to see the history of the game. And for me... Obviously, I mean, this is what I live and breathe with. I mean, I, I'm about history. I'm about research. I yeah, mean, yeah. this has been my lifeblood in sports from day one, from the very beginning of my interest in sports. It was always about not sure. what was happening so much today as what happened 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 years ago. So, but I mm-hmm. I seem to be a, a dying breed, a dinosaur uh, in, in yeah, the mainstream. It's that, the millennials. The millennials are taking over there, Stevie. So, We're very so, different so, so, from your when, traditional... When, when, Sports fan. Well, like getting back to the Masters, you know, golfers uh-huh. talk about it all the time, 
and the reverence they have. But when I hear like a, a Ben Crenshaw, when he talked about the first time he played in the Masters and, and the reverence he still holds, even though I you know some of these younger golfers like appreciate it, you get a sense it's not nearly at the same level as it was just a generation before them. I mean, is that a good thing? Sure. I mean, should there be a greater appreciation? I can't tell what people, what to like and dislike, but I mean, if you're trying to sell tradition to the millennials, is that a selling point anymore? It's not. And the reason it's not is because the we like is fresh, new, innovative kind of stuff. And I, and I do believe that tradition, as you continually kind of like go back to it and monotonously just pound upon it, becomes stale. It's like we've it's lost its spice. It's like old bread that's just sat there for so long. It's like, yeah, it's cool, but you know what? I'm moving on. I mean, it means something like to, to spice it up. I don't know, something to make it more modern. And uh, and I do believe that's what's happening with a lot of these places is that it just – and another thing too is that the, the millennial is a lot more efficient, I would say, you know, in the sense like – Let's just be honest. Cooperstown, Canton, all these places that have the Hall of Fame, they're not destination spots. You you literally have to create a trip yeah. to go to one place for one purpose, and that's just to go to a hall, walk around it, which uh, millennials, we don't want to do that. We don't want to go walk around a hall. Just, heck, man, go put a, one of those 360-degree cameras in the middle of the room, mm-hmm. you know, have it shoot, and then Absolutely. load it up to like some you know social media platform, and we'll watch it. And we'll be like, oh, that's pretty cool. That saves you money, saves you time, those kinds of things, whereas... You know, uh, the, the pre-millennials, I'll call you guys, you know, you like to take your long little jaunt or down the road and, you know, up and around the bin and let's go see this. And that, that's just not how the millennials are. You know, we, we feel like we could do that same kind of jaunter in 30 seconds and then we could be onto something else and be a little bit more efficient. So it, it comes down to what you value more. And I would say the millennials, we value more efficiency and, and tradition at times becomes redundant and that that efficiency whether it's you know the celebration of it or just visiting it and trying to learn about it it's not something that millennials want to do and experience well it it, it is interesting I'm, I'm in sort of following this year for instance on youtube uh the you know masters has yeah they, they, you know what they did this year it was interesting I, i'm wondering how much traffic it actually got but uh-huh. for the first time ever the masters released Final round network coverage of like the last 50 Masters. So if you oh, want to you actually go. watch as it was seen on CBS, the yeah. final round, and not the full final round, but let's, well, pretty close to the full final round coverage, like about sure. two hours, right? Where you okay. see, you know, whatever played out at the end of the tournament, plus, you know, the, the, the post round where they have the you know, Butler cabin and they had the interview with the winners and the runner ups and all this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff, but they put it out there this year. So obviously even the masters is recognizing, Hey, we got to use social media. Maybe we, maybe if we show this stuff and they see some of these legends, you know, like Nicholas and, and player and, and and Watson and all these guys who were dominant. Yeah. Get a greater appreciation for them. Yeah. Yeah. And you sort of get the feel. And then you also, what you, what happens is you, you see them, in a familiar surrounding. In other words, that Butler cabin scene is exactly now what it was 40 years ago. It's the same seats. You know, I mean, the hosts have changed a little bit, although, you know, Jim Nance has been around so long. Now you see some of the young Nance stuff, like in the late, uh, you know, in the 90s. And it's like, wow, late 80s. 
Nance had already yeah. taken over. And you're like, dude, that guy was really young at the time. He was. Um, so, <laughs> um, but it, it, it's it's interesting in trying to hook them on tradition. And, and it, whether it's successful or not, I guess we're going to find out. But it's just yeah. amazing to me how how much that has changed. You know, it's, it's almost mocked now yeah. as opposed no to the fact that it used to be really something that would people would embrace now you feel like another generation is just mocking it um and and that for me personally and for many yeah. people in my generation hurts because that's it's okay steve it's okay I, but know, i mean it's like baseball and it, it's you it's know okay you know i mean you 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 reject <laughs> it's just, baseball it's just consumed it. i don't reject it at all it's just consumed differently now and it's looked at in a different way because I'll give you an example with the whole master's tradition thing you bring up. Yes. You're the one who brought this to light, by the way, to me in my world. Yeah. But it's, you know, their tradition of segregation and sure. also of discriminating it's not against all women. Pretty. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not all pretty like everybody wants to wants to make it out to be. And I do believe that's a turnoff, too, because with millennials, we grew up in an era to where, and maybe you did too, Steve, to where a lot of that kind of stuff, if there was, you know, some stuff on the peripheral that was a little controversial or like we talk about these guys, it's just not right that people would just sort of sweep over because, yeah, it was tradition. It was almost like, yeah, you just didn't talk about it. You know what I mean? You just sort of put it on the back burner and you didn't really address it. Whereas millennials were the opposite. We're like, we want to talk about that. Why did that happen? What's what's going on there? What, what was this all about? Why do they wear these flipping jumpsuits, the caddies? Oh, yeah, it's because they wanted to make sure people knew that they were caddies and they were beneath the golfers back then. And people don't realize that these guys are walking around in these jumpsuits because at one time there was a differentiator between a higher class golfer, the member, and the lower class caddy person. You know what I mean? Everybody thinks they're just well, cool. Well, and remember, all caddies, like, all no. caddies at the Masters were African American, and it was they were high. And you yeah. know what's you know what's interesting about that is when some of the the, the caddies from that era, and of course Ben Crenshaw kept his caddy uh, throughout all uh-huh. the years he played in the Masters, and they have nothing bad to say about the organizers of the Masters. In other words, they said, "Look, we were treated really well. We were uh-huh. the caddies for many of the members, but I mean, Masters weekend turned out to be a bonanza. We we depended on that money we could make. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, they don't make the money they do now, but in those days they could make some really good, good money good yeah. to be on the bag of a guy that, you know, ends up winning or has a top 10 finish where they get a certain percentage, you know, from the from the golfers and when that was taken away when they finally allowed, you know, masters participants to bring their own caddies there, a lot of guys were out of work that had depended on that work. And so they sure. always felt they were treated fairly. So it's it's always a mixed bag because, you know, when you see an era where all the golfers are white and all the caddies are black, you go, oh, man, that's the worst. But you didn't hear that from the actual caddies. I mean, that uh, was their job. Sure. That's what they did. And this was their big payday every year was that week of the Masters where they got to be on the bags of the greatest golfers in the world. They knew the courses. Golfers loved them because no one knew sure. the course better They're than these guys. The course, they yeah. knew every inch of those courses, you know, and they leaned on these guys, you know, to really tell them how to sure. how to play that course. So, you know, it's a mixed bag. We have revisionist history going on in this country constantly uh, yes. where people, you know, look at something on the surface. They don't know the story and they just, you know, gloss it over and make their own opinions without having any real knowledge of what went down. All right, I, w- I got to get some Tiger stuff with you a little bit later on. Yeah. Uh, we obviously got a lot to talk about with the NFL draft just For a couple sure. weeks away. We're here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Alex Marvez is going to be joining us. But let's check in with David Gascon right now. 
Give us a little leaderboard update. What's happening out there, David? If I may, Patrick Reed has yet to tee up, but right now he is your leader. He's at minus nine. Jason Day has had a pretty good showing so far. 300 par for the day. He's at minus one for the tournament. Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, they've had a tough couple of days plus. As it stands right now, lefty's at plus seven. And Tiger Woods, who was at plus four over the last couple of days, sits in that same spot. He's done through 12 holes. Switching over quickly to the NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's out today with right ankle soreness as the Bucks will take on the New York Knicks. And an interesting note for both of you guys, since we're all huge NFL fans, Steve Spurrier, sure, sure. the old ball coach. You know what he's up to now? Nah. He's going to be What's joining Golfing. Orlando in the Alliance of American Football in 2019. That was just announced, so Spurrier will leave the uh, – wow. The golf links, if you will, and then head on over. Well, you know, he only took that because they offered him free golfing. And they, didn't, they, they said, you don't have to wear your shirt nor shoes to golf. And so he's like, yes, I'm on that job. As long as you can bring the visor, right? <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And your work you wear day, the visor. But yeah, you gotta no give shirt, us, no shoes. Yeah, give us about an hour a day and you're fine. Yeah. That'll be it. Uh, gives you an idea where the uh, Alliance of American Football is at. All right, David, thank you you're so bad. much. Uh, by the way, we're coming live from the – Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. The NFL draft is a couple of weeks away. Joining us right now, Sirius XM <laughs> NFL Radio and Sporting News NFL Insider Alex Marvez. Whoa. All right, Alex, we got a couple weeks to go. And, of course, a lot of posturing out there and rumors are flying all over the place. Who's interested in who? And, it, you know, it's all a deception game. It's like a shell game out there. Um, what is uh, one of the hot rumors, though, at the top of the draft that is gaining steam? Are we going to see as many trades moving up in this draft as some people are forecasting? Well, I mean, so much of it depends if the Giants do what we think they're going to do. If they take Bradley Chubb at number two, and then what are the Browns thinking it for? We know the Jets are locked into a quarterback one way or the other. We also know that Buffalo has has been wanting to get a quarterback. The question is whether they feel it's worth giving up even more equity in this draft, more picks, to try to get their guy. And, you know, the question is who is that guy then that they bring to the table? You know, and, and you know, but again, because we're talking about two quarterbacks off the board, probably one and three, then you get to four with Cleveland. They're a potential trade partner. You look at five with Denver. Are they in it at the quarterback position? Would they go Saquon Barkley potentially? I mean, that's what I love about this draft. There are so many different permeations of it. One of the big stories I think you saw this week when you when you know Brandon Coast gets traded to the LA Rams. You know, just don't think of it as an individual trade. Think of it as, as a really, you know, pretty harsh condemnation on this draft class, to be quite honest with you, at the wide receiver position. You know, you're not hearing any buzz about anyone in the top ten, maybe not even the top twenty uh, at the receiver spot. There's just it's just a bad year for it. So you see a team like the Rams that's gearing up for a big twenty eighteen, they make the move to get Brandon Cooks, you know, at normally in some years at 23, you're able to get a great receiver. They didn't feel that that value was there at 23. What does that tell you for teams like the Dallas Cowboys who still need a wide receiver or those that are really hurting at that spot? So when you're talking about the top of the draft there, Alex, you basically just jumped over the Browns like, yeah, they're picking Sam Darnold. Is that really what the consensus is right now? He's gone. It's done. It's delivered. Number one pick unless they get blown away by some huge trade offer. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's in all, and I believe it's going to be Darnold. The other one would be Josh Allen, who potentially figures in this mix because he is Cleveland-ready, so to speak. When I say Cleveland-ready, 
someone who can play outdoors, and you know that with that type of arm strength that he can play that way. He's going to be able to make certain throws that other quarterbacks can't. That being said, we I know, Brady, you're not a big fan of Josh Allen in terms of what you saw from him in a college standpoint. Well, Alex, and whether that- I, I just don't understand something. Just help me. Just tell me the last guy who never dominated in the college ranks to gone on to dominate in the NFL. Just give me one. In the last yeah, I know years. it's, it's I mean, hard. It's years. hard to find it, I right? I mean, even at, at different, right? Uh, even at different levels, you know what I mean? Like, look, we've seen yeah. guys slip through the cracks, like a Matt Castle, who was a backup and then went on to do some things in the NFL. Don't get me wrong, but no, most times their, their teams they, they take their teams to bowl games, they win bowl games. You know, they're <laughs> part of that, and that's and that's the thing that makes this one so tricky with Josh Allen because it's almost like okay, you're trying to fit a prototype type quarterback, and he possesses so many of the traits that you want. But when you get down to it, what's this game about, right? Winning and losing? And, and he didn't win enough impressively and didn't shine enough in the junior year of Wyoming to make you say, wow, this kid is really, really special. Again, he's shown it in signs. He's shown it in certain parts of his game. But when it comes to, you know, a 10-1, and 11-1 and type of Wyoming team, nah, we, we didn't see that. What do you think right now is the Patriots' game plan for their quarterback of the future? Uh, the young man from uh, from Richmond, Lauletta, I believe is his name, and I think that's a player that they've really targeted. I think they like some of these smaller school guys that they can mold a little bit when it comes to their coaching. They're not finished products, and that's not a slight on on the schools that they attend. But you know, let's be honest here. You know, when you come to uh, to the higher the program, theoretically, the better the coaching is supposed to be, right? I know there's a punchline in there somewhere, but the point is that, you know, you have, you, these are more finished products. I think in this case, they look at that young man and they say, wow, you know, he, he remind, you know, you had a little bit of Garoppolo there, someone who's a little bit under the radar who really started to come on. Now, you know, the Patriots, too, having a little more draft equity this year, are they going to be a jumper? You know, are they going to be a faller? I mean, remember, they only had, what, four draft picks last year. So they are in need of replenishing this roster, and they did suffer some free agent departures this year. I think they're going to be heavy into the cornerback position, as usual. I think they'll be looking to address that spot. And, of course, tight end now with Rob Gronkowski seemingly coming back to the Patriots. That's what everyone seems to be thinking, unless there is an abrupt retirement. But so far, that it does appear to be the plan. But this isn't a bad year to maybe take the young man from Wisconsin. Uh, Fanduli, I believe, is his name. There's another kid, Jacek at Penn State, uh, who's really promising. But what we've noticed about tight ends, it, it's pretty rare for a kid to come in and dominate in his first year. But if you give them one year of, of you know being able to build up their body, learn pro-style offense, get a little bit more into the blocking game, you can really get good production in year two. And I think if you're the Patriots, that's what you're looking at right now. Someone who you can get on the field a bit as a rookie, but compliment Rob Gronkowski and then look to move on after this season. And so you're, you, you think that the Patriots might be in position to go after a guy that, you know, one of those top-tier quarterbacks, try to move up, maybe get one to fall. Who's the guy that in the top tier of the quarterback draft that you think the Patriots would be targeting? Ooh, I don't think they are. I think I think it's mid-round guys. That's why. Okay. I just think it's second. Yeah, no, no top guys. They're, you know, and again, because then you start, you, you create your own sort of headaches in that way. You know what I mean? If you're drafting yeah. a quarterback in today's NFL, Let's be honest here. You know, it sounds great to say the kid's going to sit a year, but really in most cases you're talking about needing to get him on the field because the clock is ticking on that rookie contract, and you have to know yeah. what that player is doing. Again, there's exceptions to the rule like an Alex Smith and all that, but you know, the other thing too, like if the Giants draft a quarterback, how long is it going to 
going to be till you know we start saying, okay, Eli Manning, let's get him out and let's get the kid in to see what he can do. Oh, probably the, the minute the Roger Goodell is walking off the stage, you're going to start hearing, <laughs> let's go with the kid, let's get rid of Eli Manning. You know, it's just the way that the nature of, of this business is. But I think the Patriots don't want to start a quarterback controversy down. And plus, listen, give them, let's give them credit here. They have done a great job finding talent in the middle rounds, whether it's a Jacoby Brissett that turned into trade equity, whether it was a, a Jimmy Garoppolo, again, second-round pick. They're really good at identifying QBs out of that top tier and developing them. I'm going to go a, a slightly different direction here, Alex, because I've been reading up a lot about the fate of the protesters uh, amongst players at NFL games and how this uh, movement has all but disappeared already. Um, you know, you had Bob McNair come out the other day saying the only thing he, his inmates running in the asylum, his only regret is that he apologized for it. Uh, and now we're seeing several players who are involved in protests finding that there's not a whole much of a market for them, uh, free agency wise. Was there a strategy involved to try to squash this problem? How big of a problem was it? And is it dead? I mean, are, are we going to see the end of mass protests at anthems come 2018? You know, I was talking to to someone connected to NFL ownership about this, and, and, you know, at the owners' meetings recently uh, that they were, were down in Orlando, and there was no consensus that I was told among owners about how to handle this. There was a lot of discussion, and I was asked for my advice, and, and my advice is that just just because this is, has gone down right now doesn't mean it couldn't flare up again in a heartbeat, okay? I, I mean, look, if Marshawn Lynch is playing, has anyone asked Marshawn about that, if he's going to stand for the anthem? No, he's not. He's going to do whatever Marshawn Lynch wants to do. There's still going to be others that, that do this, and maybe they're fewer further between. But just think about it like this, and, and, I, and I'm just going to play this out here, because, yeah, Steve, I know you enjoy doing that as well sometimes. Yeah. What, 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 <laughs> what if the U.S. goes to war, okay? Right. And, you have, and you have protests about the war by NFL players who don't think we should be involved in that. You're back to the same square one that you were before. It's just that the protests are different now. You see what I mean? It's yeah. not the social justice issues. It's something else that you're protesting. Thus, my suggestion was go back to pre-2009. Let's, what was pre-2009? The players stayed in, their, in the locker room and then came out after the anthem. The thing was that it made such a great visual on television to have players standing around, and we know how the NFL wraps itself in the flag and tries to you know, make itself the, the sport of America and its close ties to the military and all that sort of stuff that they then again continued the jingoism and made players come out to do the national anthem after 2009, which some may want to do, and most I believe do, and that's honest to honor the, it's awesome to honor the country. But what I'm saying is, yes, we've seen these players, and listen, it gets a little tricky as well. You have Eric Reed, history of concussions, a player who, who it appears to have lost a step, you know, move, being moved to an outside linebacker spot last year with the 49ers. And, you know, the 49ers the most tolerant organization in so many ways of these protests and Jed York standing behind them, but they were already looking to move on from him last year. Safeties have been tough. Michael Bennett, they still traded for him. They didn't cut him. They knew what they were getting into with him. And let's not forget, too, you had, you had Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Long, two of the most, you know, you know obviously out there type of guys when it came to social stances during the anthem and they you know they're still back with the team so i you know i don't know i, I mean I, I hear where we're coming from with this i think the big guy is colin kaepernick and the fact that we continue to see players who aren't as good as colin kaepernick continue to get signed he's the one that to me continues to pay the ultimate price for his national anthem protest and alex i was going to talk to you about that with rg3 being signed this last week i've had some people suggest that was a signing to somehow protect themselves or create a greater defense against this collusion case 
that uh, Kaepernick's bringing up against him. Is there any correlation between signing RG3, talking about the Ravens, and this whole Colin Kaepernick situation? Uh, they need a veteran backup. He's on the cheap. I don't know. You know, it, it, listen, I can't deny it. You know what I mean? And by the way, when it came to Bob McNair, it's interesting because let's just get look back to that here for a second. Because he, look, Bob McNair was part of this collusion situation. When he was talking about the inmates running the asylum, he was talking about the people at NFL headquarters. And that is really true. He wasn't talking about players. This is enough. Some players may have interpreted it like that. Hmm. But Bob McNair, much like Jerry Jones, was furious at Roger Goodell and the, the way that the NFL office has been structured and all of these people in the, in the league office making a lot of money and not being very good at their jobs, okay? Uh, you know, from the investigation, I mean, really, from the investigation That's of, uh, you know, at least a real... You're, Todd Lewicki's picking up a seven-figure salary. Nobody ever figured out what he did. But all of a sudden, <laughs> then Jerry Jones started quietly behind the scenes, clearing, moving the NFL to clear folks out. You notice Joe Lockhart, the, the, the political strategist who was part of Roger Goodell's PR team, he left a couple months ago. They continue to weed people out in the front office. So that's where Bob McNair was going with that. But here's the thing with Colin that's a little bit tough. You know, you put yourself in this position. If you want to play football, are you going to make yourself a distraction of the team? He wore a Kunta Kinte T-shirt to the Bob McNair mm. deposition. Mm. It said Kunta Kinte on it. Wow. Do you understand? You want to do something like that? You have every right to go ahead and do it. It's a free country, just like that team has every right not to sign you because they don't want to alienate their fans and they just don't want to cause a distraction on their team. Good stuff as always, Alex. Next week, of course, we're going to break down his entire board rounds one through seven. So uh, get ready for yes. that, Alex. That'll be next week as we zero in on the draft. And, and, and we'll talk about Rick Neuhausel being uh, the next head coach of the uh, All of Alliance of American Football Southern California team that's well, coming your Well, own. wait a second. Your greatest hero, Spurrier's already in. I had that a couple of weeks ago. I'm doing some work, but yes, he is. He's coming down. He'll leave the golf course for a few hours and then head back. <laughs> Perfect out there. Alex, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Alex Marvez, Sirius XM NFL Radio and Sporting News NFL Insider. One guy that we did not talk about uh, is, uh, well, we're here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Another quarterback, very prominent, who may actually have a destination who and where mm. you're going to find out coming up next Hartman and Papinga brought to you by Granger products and services you need when you need them Granger's got your back to help keep your facility running Granger for the ones who get it done all right so talk about all these quarterbacks in the upcoming draft Josh Allen Josh Rosen Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. So that's the consensus out there. Those are the four guys, and there's going to be some maneuvering going on, which teams are trying to moving up, you know, how desperate are certain teams to get the quarterback. And meanwhile, there's a team in the NFL right now that knows they're going to get the quarterback they want without mm. question, and they don't have to move anywhere. Can it right now, folks? The Los Angeles Chargers will select Lamar Jackson, number Ooh. 17 overall <laughs> in the NFL draft. Go and I'm going to explain why. Because here, there's a couple of reasons. Well, I like that. Uh, and I do well, too. Anthony Lynn's history is phenomenal with this, by the way. Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, we'll get to the Anthony Lynn factor in this thing. But right now, in the city of Los Angeles, the Rams are making a lot of noise. 
Yeah. Now the Rams are just stockpiling talent. Dominating. And when you got Marcus the, Peters and Akeem no Talib and Dominic and Sue and Brandon Cooks, you're making all these deals right now. All the buzz in LA is centered on the Rams because the Rams are yep. making all the moves. But the Chargers have an answer. And their answer to all this commotion that the Rams are making is to select Lamar Jackson with their first round pick. Now, let's get back to the Anthony now, Lynn wait, factor. Wait, yes. Before but before you go. Yeah. How does it do that again? Twofold. Down to me how just twofold. Lamar Jackson, that's gonna be so big, it's gonna eventually not, not okay. overtake, but sort of just put a dent into what the the noise the Well, Rams first of all, everything puts a dent in it because quarter it's quarterback. Okay, quarterback okay. always makes a lot of noise. Oh, Why the Rams moved and up two the, years ago? I got you. Yeah. I got you. So because anytime you have a Philip Rivers history and his, right. he's going to be a little bit well, salty about it. Well, I remember this. Right now, both the Rams and the Chargers are in the midst of trying to sell these PSLs. You know, the Chargers made a desperate sure. attempt to try to reingratiate themselves with the city of San Diego. That fell like a, a thud. That then that's going absolutely nowhere. <laughs> so they realized well, San Diego is dead. All right, we're we're going to have to start anew from scratch in L.A. And you when you when you go out and 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 it because it'll be a hugely talked about thing. All the controversy about Lamar Jackson. Does he have the game to play in the NFL? His mother's representing him. All these different stories I hear about Lamar Jackson. But I want you to specifically get into Anthony Lynn because I believe Anthony Lynn is flexing his muscles right now. He earned it, turning in an 0-4 start to a 9-7 and finish. He believes he knows how to make Lamar Jackson successful in oh, yeah. the NFL. Do you think he has what it takes as a coach to make Lamar Jackson a star in the NFL? There's no question. You look back at his time in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor, that's what they based their offense around was a, a scrambling, running quarterback. Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator, but even before Anthony Lynn was, if you remember back, they had to fire Greg Roman as a uh, like a sign, everybody talking about the Bills. But he's the guy that got Kaepernick when he was coaching Greg Roman under Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco to be the Kaepernick that almost took the San Francisco 49ers to and winning the Super Bowl. If it wasn't for their big old blackout, they may have won the Super Bowl. Just kidding. But, I mean, that's what it was. And so Anthony Lynn knows as good as anybody how to implement a offense based off a quarterback who can flat out fly, run, and cause defenses crazy deep issues so yeah anthony lynn will know what to do with lamar jackson if in fact they pull the trigger on that and guess what he could easily turn around and have a very quickly going away party for philip rivers because a running quarterback you can implement him immediately instead of a guy that you want to have be in this traditional pro set style offense which anthony lynn you know uh, he he has elements of but he doesn't have to run it and so he can get lamar going as soon as he feels like the organization is ready to receive him yeah i mean right. i understand there's a lot of charger fans that hang on to their dearly beloved philip rivers as they have one non playoff season after another that seems to be more important <laughs> yeah. to them than actually uh, winning any football games but yes i think the move is done it's going to happen, and it could change the course of football in the city of L.A. Tiger Woods from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Rolling on a Saturday, Harbin and Papinga coming alive from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on your car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right, a few Few golfers have already finished their rounds, round three of the Masters. 
very shortly, two more names will be added, Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. You know, I'm looking here at the uh, leaderboard. So there were 53 golfers that made the cut. Now, of course, in the first mm-hmm. two rounds of the Masters, you play threesomes. And because the field is so much smaller than a normal tournament, much less a major golf tournament, you know, they, they stagger the field like some will start at 10, you know, and then they'll play the back sure. nine first. You don't have to do that the Masters. You don't. You only had well, 30. Cool. So you start at one, you go to 18. Everybody does, even sure. in the first two rounds. So when you get the cut, you get to 53, right? And that's an sure. uneven number. And they have twosomes, <laughs> which means one guy gets to go alone. This year, the guy wow. that did that was Paul Casey, who, by the way, came in, you know, he's one of the top golfers in the world, not a top 10, but Paul Casey's, you know, certainly one of those names. So he's out there playing a round of golf by himself. First nice. guy out, That's- right? The best and, way to do that, yeah. And so, first two rounds, he goes 74-75. So, you know, he was tied for last among the qualifiers. Shot 69 today. Now, here's another nice. guy that just finished. Another guy that went 75-74. Matthew Fitzpatrick from England. Guess what he did today? He shot 67. So, he Woo. went from a tie for 46 to a tie for 19th. Now, the reason I'm mentioning that is that that's the same opportunity that Tiger Woods had and Phil Mickelson had. So you had two guys that were last. One shot a 69. One shot's a 67, and it shot up Mm. to a tie for 19th. But what have Phil and Tiger done? Phil is at one over with one hole to play on the round. He is still where he started. He's tied for 49th. Meanwhile, Tiger Woods is even for the day. Has made no movement. He's still at plus four where he started, and he's tied for 41st. So the point being is, is that these people that keep thinking that, you know, these 40-something guys, no matter how big their names are, still have that ability to, you know, sort of turn it on. Maybe not. Maybe that's as good Mm. as it's going to get at this point of their careers when it comes to a tournament like the Masters, the challenges of this tournament. You know, it's always interesting when every once in a while you'll see, you know, a day where guys are shooting, you know, great scores. And you're like, well, it didn't seem like Augusta Nationals that tough. (laughs) But it's one of those incredible courses where just a little turn in the weather or the placement of the of the holes, you know, on the greens can change the sure. whole dynamic of that course. It's what makes Augusta National so special. It is a course that can literally change overnight and go from, you know, mm. a very uh, makeable course as far as decent scores to a near impossible course. But where where was the movement today? Other guys made movement today. Some people say, oh, the weather's bad. and everything. I just gave you the first two guys off the course, shot 69-67. What happened to Phil? What happened to Tiger Woods? Where is he? Hmm. Nowhere. Nowhere. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. What do you mean it's okay? It's not okay to CBS. They were desperate. I get that. Desperate to get Tiger on prime time. But his progression in a comeback, I mean, there's no way. I mean, if I was him, I'm happy. To me, this is a W. 
I'm walking away. If I'm even today, all that good stuff, I'm walking away thinking, dude, this has been a phenomenal outing. Like, I, I would not have had an expe- expectation to come in after all that he's been through up to this point to think that he, he would was win listed the by Vegas as the number so, three favorite. By the way, he just bogeyed the par five 15th hole. So yeah, now he's a that plus was one. man. What? That was hype. That was hype. Hype. He had top I mean, five finishes in the last two tournaments he played. Yeah, I mean that's all good, but that's not the same as going to this biggest stage and all of a sudden everybody's expectations have risen and the pressure has risen and uh, I mean it's just it's a different animal and you you can't you can't be away from it for however many years he's been away from it and just step right back in oh there I am and all of a sudden think that you're going to be able to go perform like you did when you dominated that kind of situation you have to again recondition yourself to be able to operate at a high optimal level. And it takes repetition. It takes being in there, understanding the emotions and how to handle the emotions and how to handle the mechanisms that turn on inside of yourself naturally with the pressure, people watching you, the expectations, and you being able to cope with those and still turn into a high productive uh, performer. I mean, that's that just doesn't happen. It's not a switch. It's, it takes conditioning. And that's where the repetition has to come in. So, I mean, to me, this is the first step in his you could say come back in this environment. It's like, okay, I, and I'm back in it. I get the feel. Okay, this is what it feels like again. This is how I can handle it. And I'm sure he's got a ton of lessons and notes he's written down from his, his outing in the last few weeks, that, hey, or last few days, to where next time he'll be a lot better. And it's just that's the progression of going through this. Like I said, it's not a switch that you can turn off and on regardless of your past. It's something that you have to train yourself for, and this is part of the training. By the way, it is a real possibility, folks, that Tiger and Phil will be paired up in the final round of the Masters. I'm looking at their scores right now. There Sweet. is a chance that That's Tiger must watch TV. and Phil, well, <laughs> no one's going to see it because right now I understand um, they would be it. they would be either the third or the fourth group to go off in the morning right now because uh, out of 53 golfers, Tiger's tied for 44th and Phil's tied for 49th. So. But they, they. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the board right now. There is a chance. Would that be unbelievable? Because everyone's like saying, how, how incredible would that be if on come Sunday we got Phil and Tiger paired up? Record Woo, ratings. The, I mean, I could care less who wins the tournament. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even watch the leaders. I would just watch those two guys go at it. That'd be awesome. TV. Okay, you're bringing up a good point though. All right, so let's let's take a <laughs> yeah. look at the leaderboard right now. Now you've got. Some of the n- prominent names, you know, obviously, both Spieth and McElroy, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, the guys that are the top-ranked golfers right now. But can you imagine after a 40% increase in ESPN's ratings in round one because of Tiger and then 55% increase yesterday because of Tiger, you're going to get zero <laughs> Tiger this weekend. He's not going to even be on TV because they don't carry coverage until the leaders tee off and he'll already be in the clubhouse. So... The question is, if you have Patrick Reed and Mark Leishman, all this talk about, because right now they're well ahead of the pack. Let's say those two guys take their game to that level again today, where they're so far ahead of everybody. It's it's going to be a two-man matchup between Patrick Reed and Mark Leishman. CBS will have gone into a weekend thinking we might have record ratings to a final round where they had their worst ratings in years. I mean, I mean that Patrick Reed and Mark Leishman battling for the green jacket ain't going to be moving the needle. Move the needle. Wow. Oh, 
So, I mean, right now they're just thinking they're scrambling. Tiger's done. Phil's done. Well, they got to be creative, man. They well, they find need other ways what they need is Jordan Speed for Rory McIlroy. Well, I mean, Jordan Speed. That's not going to do it either. Those guys, I, those guys. Jordan Speed, Rory McIlroy to watch them. You got McIlroy no. going like for the accounts. career grand slam. Oh, who cares about that? I'd rather go out and watch two accountants play golf. That's, oh, what I, that's wow. essentially what you're looking at. Well, right, is there any Tiger golfer? Woods is a legit athlete. Those other dudes just don't look legit, man. That's the problem. You don't you think McIlroy's an athlete? No. McIlroy, how about he Dustin? Look it. Dustin Johnson doesn't look like an athlete? Doesn't look like it either. Heck no. What? They look like your, your local accountants that you're going to turn in your tax information, dude. I, 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 I want back. you to Sorry. Google Rory McIlroy. He doesn't look like an accountant. I've Googled the guy. And? He does. He well, looks Pat, like your local Patrick accountant. Patrick Reed looks like an accountant. Yeah, Mark Leishman, I'd say. I mean, say. come on. I mean, you see Tiger walking down the fairway. like, dude, that's a legit athlete. There's a mystique about him. He's got broad shoulders. He's got a bulge Look at McIlroy. He is cut. He looks... Like he's, but he's not, he's not athletically cut. I'm just telling you, he's just the, the, his whole kind of persona. There's nothing athletic about it. You just look at him like, okay, yeah, all right. Who's, where's the golfers at? Or where's the athletes at? I mean, literally. Did Jack Nicholas look like he was cut? I mean, come on now. I mean, golf Well, this is the thing with Jack Nicholas. This is Jack Nicholas, though. Or, yeah. yeah, Jack Nicholas has an aura about him. Sure okay? he does. It's, I mean, and I, I look at him and I'm like, whoa, that's, I mean, I don't know what it is. And sometimes you can't put your finger on it, but the, these guys don't have that aura, man. They don't have the mystique. Maybe it was his blonde Goldilocks hair of Jack Nicholas that was was like really kind of right you know you sucked you into him i don't know what it was but none of these guys have it and i'm not and it's nothing they can control it's just sort of what who they are you know but again that's why we're seeing these rating hikes go crazy because you know tiger has the mystique man even phil mickelson has more mystique than these other guys it's just how it is all right well speaking of mystique every sport i mean we, we have to admit tiger woods at his peak changed the whole dynamic of golf, was able to bring in people to watch the sport that had never watched it before. Could baseball be on the midst of having the same thing happen because of one guy that may now be the greatest <laughs> player of all time? We'll oh, tell is. you the truth. He's already there. We'll tell you the truth. Coming up next. <laughs> Harvard and Papinga. You got to get to Hooters. Try those new smoked wings. Whole new way to crave wings. All the taste and half the calories. You need use twice as many out there at Hooters. Our dreams <laughs> of a Phil Tiger pairing in the final round of the Masters took a fatal hit. Phil just bogeyed the last hole. He's in at plus seven. Meanwhile, Tiger <clears throat> birdied 16. So with two holes to play, he's at plus four. So they will not be paired up. No. In fact, Phil might be the one that gets to play by himself tomorrow. Uh, Phil right now tied for last uh, in the field. <laughs> you think the guys like positions themselves for that, you know, just so they don't have to deal with it? I don't know. Else. I mean, if you're a Phil Mickelson, a three-time a Masters champion, I mean, you, can you imagine going out there, first guy out, playing by yourself? You know, nobody's out. I mean, well, there'll be people out there, obviously, but, I mean, for a guy like Phil Mickelson, is that humiliating? I don't know. Then, no, then, and, then he, and then think about think Phil is sort he, of fun. Yeah, yeah, and then Phil like shoots sixty five, yeah. you know, or something like that. You know, boom, so, boom something great. like that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, two more holes for Tiger. Uh, he did birdie sixty after bogeying fifteen. Uh, he's at plus four exactly where he started the day. So there's no doubt that Tiger Woods was one of those athletes who transcended his sport. Michael Jordan was certainly that in basketball where. 
people that weren't even basketball fans suddenly became fans of Michael Jordan. And again, I, I go by ratings yep. because ratings prove it. I mean, that's that's where you can find the masses. When you when you see one player suddenly move numbers dramatically just by his mere presence uh, on the yeah. uh, on the stage, that tells you that's someone that moves the needle. It's real early, but the Shohei Otani story is building momentum. And I'll be the first to say, wow, <laughs> I did not see this happening. Let's go back. During spring training. Was it? Yeah, spring training. Spring training. Right? Let, let, me give yeah. you, let me give you again his spring training numbers. Are you ready for this? Can't wait. So in spring training for the Angels, Shohei Otani as a hitter was four for 32. Four singles in 32 at-bats. That's a 125 batting average. <laughs> and as a pitcher in two starts, in two starts against major league level players, his ERA was 27. So based on his spring training, your thought was, hey, this guy obviously has talent, but he's just not ready yet. But Mike Sosha, the manager of the Angels, insisted, oh, no, 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 no. He's good. He's good. You're like, sure he is. Let me give you the updated regular season stats, the real game stats for Shohei Otani. First of all, as a pitcher, he has started one game. He will start again tomorrow, will be his second start. In his first start, he got the victory. He had a quality start. He threw six innings, gave up just three hits, three runs, struck out six, walk one. That is a quality start. But it's the hitting because there was there were these baseball people. Forget me. There were baseball people that watched him during the spring saying, this guy needs at least 500 at-bats against quality pitching to qualify as a major league hitter. Well, he has been a DH in four games already for the Angels. He is hitting 389 with three home runs and seven runs batted in. He's crushing the ball. So let me ask you this, because you're yeah, you're yeah. more worldly than me. You know, I, I feel like you have a, a better read on on the international flavor of sports. So if uh-huh. Shohei Otani, who is uh-huh. again doing something, he by the way, since the designator hit designated hitter was introduced to the American League in 1973, he's already done something that's never been done before. He's already the first player <laughs> ever in the DH era to have hit a home run as a DH and win a game as a starting pitcher. So if this continues, let me ask you this. How can Mm -hmm. baseball best utilize the unique talents of Shohei Otani to take Mm. the sport to another level? What's the best way to go about this? Oh, the best way is is start to create the bridge to Asia. Mm. I mean, he's Asian, and I mean, that's where billions upon billions of people are at. And it's a sport that's not a sport that just could be played, you know, or that just is played in the U.S. Like, let's say, football predominantly is just played in the U.S. I mean, baseball is played everywhere. So there's already people that are played. I mean, it's built-in fan bases everywhere, and it's just a matter of having that connection, having a guy like that they can relate to. You know, like, uh, you know, Yao Ming was like that to China in basketball. And now with Atani, you know, the whole kind of, you know, Asian world can be like, man, he made it. Not only did he make it, he's redefined. I mean, he's literally redefining the sport. They see themselves in that. And the connection starts to happen. Then all of a sudden, the Fandonium starts to take place. And you'll probably see more of these kind of guys, you know, 
up through the ranks because kids now have these seeds planted like, man, if he could do it, I could do it too. I'm going to go out and start working at it. You know, and that's all it takes. And so it's going to be fascinating because we'll see if how smart Major League Baseball is. Because if they're smart, they will start to turn their attention more to the Asian countries and be able to leverage that to build up their brand and that part of the world, which will only build it up here in the U.S. because they both are going to to complement one another. So I mean, is. I understand okay, marketing to Asia, and I get that. I mean, it, it look, he's got. He's already got 50 writers out of Japan following his every move. In fact, there's no spot left in the uh, press box anymore if you go out to an Angel game because they've taken over the entire scene. But, I mean, to an American audience, to an English-speaking audience, he doesn't speak English yet. I'm sure he's going to learn it because there's a lot of money in it for him uh, if he does. Um, But how do you you market Otani right now to your American baseball audience? I don't know if that needs to be even more effort that's already done because his play is speaking for itself. I mean, it's mind blowing when you look at like, when's the last time somebody's done what he's done and you, you it's mentioned never one been of the done things before. he's done where he's won a game. Yeah. Won a game and hit a home run. Never been done, but there's other, some other stat that he had accomplished in like a couple games that hadn't been done since Babe Ruth. Yeah. You know, and everybody's saying, Hey, he's the next Babe Ruth. Well, he may not be, whether it's obviously yet to be determined if he is or not, but heck he sure has done something since Babe Ruth. But here's my thing. When we were freaking out about him in training camp, I, I was laughing inside myself because training is different than the games. And here's why. When you train, you don't bring the same kind of, let's say, competitive fire to the situation because you know that it doesn't count. You know that the single purpose of the training is that, to work on things. So you don't care whether you win or lose. You care about, I'm going to go today and emphasize a weakness in my game, which maybe a weakness in this game, let's just say we're the, the off-speed pitches. Let's just say that. Or maybe he was trying to you know, work on the high-speed fastball because maybe we were talking about how he threw like a straight fastball and everybody was like on it. Maybe that was what he was working on. He didn't care everybody was on it in, in the uh, spring training because he's like, yeah, I don't care. I'm not going to be doing that in the regular games, but I sure need to perfect it, so I'm going to keep doing it. And all of a sudden, it inflated his numbers, looked bad. Maybe in the box. You know, he was, you know, trying some new little tweaks out to see it, what it felt like. And, you know, that's why he hit so poorly. And all of a sudden when he gets to the game, he's like, all right, now it's full go. I don't really care about focusing just on one thing or what my weakness is. I'm going to play to my strengths. Obviously on the, in the off you know, on the, in the, on the side and practicing those kinds of things, I'm going to work on my weaknesses, but I'm not going to go out there and work on them in a game. I'm going to play to those, you know, strengths of mine. And I'm going to try to, you know, have those then overcome my, and compensate for my weaknesses. So uh, it's fascinating when, he, you know, we heard, we heard about with old Lon a ball in that you know whole summer league you hear about guys in preseason in football that go explode or have terrible preseasons everybody's freaking out and all of a sudden the regular season is a whole nother thing and it's because training camp preseason everything before the actual season is not going to be like the regular season for the reasons i just mentioned that it's just in fact training and obviously that was the case for Tony because this guy man he is special awesome I mean, this is fun stuff. This actually may encourage me to start watching more baseball if they can only cut down on some of the, you know. Well, like I mean, think time. about it. I mean, like, heck, yeah. this is great. He's right in your backyard. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, this is a guy. Would you? Would might you have to buy take my a, kid down to that game? That's what I was going to say. I mean, is this? Yeah, and this is what we talk about me, moving Steve, the needle. Trust what? me, though, on this. This is this is the prediction. I'll bring my son to him and go. Hey, look at this Otani guy. Yeah, this guy's unbelievable. I'll turn and, around. And, 
and he'll be just face glued to his iPad playing a game going, Dad, when are we going to go again? Well, um, you tell uh, him. Yeah. Look, you put your foot down and say, put that down. <laughs> no, I've done that. I've turned around and grabbed it. Then you and I go to a game just to see Otani. I won't, <laughs> I won't have, my, I won't have oh, my phone yeah. in my hand. I want to see this guy. Oh, no. Yeah. I, 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 he's, yeah he, he looks impressive. The highlights that I've seen of the guy, wow. Now, that like that's when you talk mystique aura, yes. he's got it. Now, and is I he mean, an athlete? He's, oh, yeah. He's a special athlete. I mean, this is a guy that has the size, speed, uh, coordination, hand-eye coordination uh, capabilities and combinations that mm. you, you only see in the best of the best athletes in history. I'm talking like Bo Jackson's, right. the Michael Jordan's. Yes. You know, these guys that, they, they like you said, they transcend their own sports because in reality, they, they have an athletic makeup that and no matter what sport they decided to master – it, they could have done it. It could have been any sport, any of the big three sports that we have in the U.S. He could have mastered. He could have been a basketball player. He could have been a football player. All those, you know, p- sports would be in play based off of his skill set. And it just ha- so happens that baseball was his his thing, and it's a beautiful thing to watch to see somebody realize their full capacity as an athlete. And he's doing that. I mean, he, he's just beginning, as a matter of fact. All right, now I, I want to bring Nick you know, in because Nick is a big angel guy, and uh, you know, he's a, what kind of what cap do you have on today? What cap is that, Nick? What do you have on today? No, I think he's going to go uh, extend that streak to four home runs in a row. By the Steve. way, yeah. Uh, you know, I Mike, don't think he is. I, I got some inside information down what, there. That's Nick. it? Uh, what, they're not going to pitch him anymore? It, the, well, night, once well the, he won't first no, of all. No, four home runs. He's not going to play. He's not playing. They're going to give him, like, rest time. Well, no, here, here's pitch. the deal. He doesn't He doesn't DH yeah, the day so he before won't he pitches. No, he's not. Oh, well, exactly. trapping me, Steve. No, he's not. He's not. DHing tonight. <laughs> um, Trapping me. No, no, no. No, he, no. <laughs> and Sosha had already made this clear. He will not DH the day before he pitches or the day yeah. after he pitches. But he's available so he's for not all the do other it for days. For the sake of history. Yeah. Right. For the uh, sake of history. Well, they're no, not but break it would still plan. be four Dang games it. in a row in which he played. But you see, he's going yeah, to. Now, does he, does, he, does he hit when he's pitching? I mean, how, why I would know. you not? I mean, normally I, you have a DH when you're up for I'll a tell pitcher, you why. but why it's would you tiresome. DH for him? Well, it's because it's tiresome because <laughs> yeah, you got to pick what – maybe not, though. I mean, maybe try it with this guy. I mean, to me, I'd get tired. Well, again, he only pitched – Remember this. Remember this. Bat, rocking yeah. out there. Right. Remember he DH'd you know, one game. Pitching, so. He DH'd one game, then he pitched. Okay. And the uh-huh. first game as a hitter, he had a single, and that was it. And then he had the nice pitching. But now these last three games as a DH, I mean, he's set Boom. the world on fire. So you're like, wait a second. Why, <laughs> why would I bring in a DH? Why don't I just let him hit for himself? That'll be interesting. Tomorrow, Otani will be back out there. It'll be fun to see. Yeah, yeah. it'll be very big. Uh, we're in the well, I think that's for- what we're hoping for, right, Steve? But yes. just before we break to that, but that's what we're hoping for, right? We want to see him have a game to where he just – well, this is what we want to see. We want to see him throw a no-hitter and, and in the same game DH go for four for four with two home runs. Exactly. That's what we want to see. That, 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 awesome. It would be incredible. Wow. All right. Uh, we're in the Geico <laughs> Fox Sports Radio studios. Uh, we're going to get to the complete collapse of the Golden State Warriors. But first, let's get to uh, David Gascon, uh, who is going to give us that update on that <laughs> – Leaderboard at the Masters. Oh, you don't want me to pay attention to the American League uh, West standings right now? From oh, time we, we can do Nick? that. We can do that as well. Jeez, man. Uh, Phil Mickelson right now, he's uh, plus seven through three rounds. He is, uh, well, he's dead last right now as it stands right now. Passing the cut. Tiger Woods, not too much better. He's at plus four through three rounds. He's on hole number 17 as we speak. Patrick Reed has yet to tee up. It'll do so in about five minutes from now. He is your leader as it stands. He is at minus nine. Ricky 
Fowler is five strokes behind. He's on hole number three. He's birdied on the first couple of holes as well. Now, switching it over back to Major League Baseball, Xander Bogarts, he's two for two with a home run. A couple runs scored, six runs knocked in. Red Sox have opened up a can of the Rays, eight to two. Orioles leading in New York, 3-2 is the score. Tigers and White Sox are scoreless. A.J. Pollock with an RBI. He's one for one. D-backs leading the Cardinals in St. Louis, 1-0. Nationals on top of the Mets, 1-0. In that ballgame, Anthony Rendon and also skipper Davey Martinez have been ejected from the affair. Fellas? I'm just uh, looking at Mickelson right now. The only guy battling Mickelson for last place honors is Ian Poulter. <laughs> Remember, remember the uh, big noise last week, how Poulter had to win the Houston Open to get into the Masters, and he actually pulled it off. Well, right now, he and Phil are tied for last, of course, of those that made the cut. Uh, and Poulter's mm-hmm. at 18 right now, both sitting at a plus seven. Oh, by the way, we're coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. The NBA regular season will end on Wednesday, and we got a long way to go before we can figure out who's going to be going up against who uh, as far as the playoffs are concerned. Can you imagine this? In the Western Conference, with only three games to go, only three teams have clinched a playoff spot. Three. Right now, I mean, you have the Utah Jazz – they're the current four seed, and wow. it is conceivable they don't make the playoffs with three games to wow. go. So between Utah, New Orleans, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, Denver, and the Clippers still, there could be a combination where even the Jazz, currently the four seed, don't even make it to the playoffs. So there's a lot to be settled in on. So trying to figure out who Golden State's going to play in the first round is impossible right now. I mean, we know they're yeah. the two seed, and they're going to play the seven seed. Ironically, today, today, the seven seed is Oklahoma City. One reason I want to bring up Golden State is what happened recently with their blowout loss to Indiana, and Steve yeah, Kerr yeah. taking the advantage of ripping the effort, effort of yeah. his basketball team. But it wasn't Kerr's calling out his team. We've heard that before. To me, it was the retort of Kevin Durant, who said along the lines of, you know, we were playing hard. It's just that they were better prepared than we were for this game. (laughs) And that is a direct shot firing back at the head coach. Kevin Durant has had 15 technical fouls this year. 15. For Kevin Durant, is this guy coming off the rails right now? I mean, I I get a sense that this Warriors team, without Steph Curry in the first round, could be vulnerable if they suddenly are a divided locker room, they're distracted, and let's say they go against Oklahoma City, and suddenly you've got Russell Westbrook Eh, going off. I'm not worried about that one. All right. I don't worry say, about, how about that because Kevin Durant's going to go off, and he's going to take that one over. I mean, I, look, I, I, this is what this is what's going on in Golden State. Okay, I mean, they're following. They're falling apart. No, they're not falling apart. What's happening is, is they okay? This is it. All goes back to the year when they were like in contention to go for the seventy-three wins. Right. Sat down as a team and they said, "Do we go for this?" And they all said, "Yes," and they went for it. And they busted their butts tooth and nail to get to it. They get it, boom, right? 
they have a grinding playoff. I mean, I, I think it. What was it like the? Uh, well, they won seven games or whatever. Yeah, against Oklahoma City. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was just a grind, and, and then, then they, they lost. The play, you know, the finals, and they get and they lose, and they and, and and after they lost, they realized that didn't matter. The seventy-three games counted for nothing. Everybody said it to them. They said it to themselves. And I do believe in that moment, the core that and still Kevin Durant wasn't part of the core. The core said, "Look, guys, it was cool." Because they also they look at LeBron. Where LeBron, remember that was year LeBron. I mean, go back to that year. He sat out. I don't know how many games. He was on vacation. He went on a vacation in the middle of the season. Remember that? He was hanging out with this boy, Dwayne Wade, down yeah. in Miami. They were like hanging. They were like two buds on a on a water weenie. You know, I think it was uh, Kevin Durant, or not Kevin Durant, uh, LeBron was holding on to Dwayne Wade's waist. Like they were just hanging out. I mean, it was unbelievable. Why the season's going on and, and everybody's getting on LeBron. He's like, wait, I'm going down and training, you know? And it's like, no, you took a vacation in the middle of the regular season. And then he he made comments like, yeah, now we're getting the playoff mode, blah, blah, blah. And, the, and he ends up delivering. You got to understand in Golden State, they realized, dude, you know what? I'm not worried about the regular season because the, the we know the playoffs. It's like a whole nother season. It's not. There's no back to backs. You got rest. You're going to be playing your starters the majority of the time. Backup guys are going to come in and give them a little bit of a break, and it's just going to be a completely different animal than the regular season. And right now, the Golden State Warriors are just holding on. They're 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 you know they're not diving for the loose balls. They're not overextending themselves because they all know one thing. The one thing that can derail their dominance is if they all of a sudden start to get hurt. And guess what's just happened over the recent last month? Yeah, Clay Thompson was out with a thumb. You had Kevin Durant out with some kind of like stomach deal where he got he got hit. And then you had Draymond Green out with the same kind of thing. Right now, they're in pure self-preservation mode. And then when the playoffs come, the switch will flip and they're going to be the juggernauts that we all anticipate them to be. Don't Nothing fall asleep would please on this right me now. more than seeing the I know. smug I get it. Golden State Warriors led by their <laughs> smug coach, Steve Kerr, to go down and blame exactly. awesome. smug. I love it. I I love that smug. smug. You know, hey, you know so you think you think cute Steve cute Steve Kerr's like a cute little little guy that you'd smug. see in I don't know some far off like fantasy land that'd come greet you in. He's such a nice cute guy. Yeah, he's smug. I mean, he's just so small. Big, he's smug. You know, he's got that little smile. He just seems so approachable. You think he's smug? I, I oh, think I think Steve, I, I don't think you know that about Steve. You know what's unique about this NBA season? I don't know if this has ever happened before. The two teams that will be the number one seats in both the Eastern and Western Conference are given no chance of getting to the NBA Finals. <laughs> Nobody is talking about Toronto or Houston, oh, despite man. the fact that Houston right now, well, uh, if they went out, will win 67 games this year. Toronto's already clinched the East. No one is talking. So what if Houston and Toronto are actually as good in the postseason as they've been in the regular season, and we get that long-awaited Raptors-Rockets matchup <laughs> for the NBA championships? Is that going to move the needle? Uh, no. Yeah, Here's well, the, the wrong direction. Teams. Well, see, the team, those teams, If if I'll say this. If they could build a postseason schedule that was similar to the regular season, I don't know how you do that with the series and such, but yeah. if you could do some round-robin stuff, you know, kind of thing, and that's your postseason, those teams would be dominant because they're better built, whether it's psychologically or schematically, to, to win in those kind of environments. It's kind of fascinating. You know, but playoff ball, it's, they're not built to be in playoff ball. The biggest reason with the, the Toronto Raptors are not built to be in the playoff ball is they don't have kind of a another option. And, and actually, I should, I, I'm going to throw Houston into this thing too. They both don't have another option if all of a sudden they go cold from three-point land. They just don't. If all of a sudden they're cold, because, you know, 
I'm not, I'll, I'll get to Houston in a second. But if they get cold, they don't have another option. You look at their games where they don't shoot well from the three-point ball, they struggle tremendously on both sides of the court. Houston, on the other hand, I don't know when. I've seen a team win an NBA championship, and people say LeBron and Cleveland. I don't count that because Houston doesn't have LeBron, so you can't use that as an example. But I don't know when you've seen a bunch of really good players, and I know James Harden's probably going to win the MVP, but a bunch of good players, all they do is play one-on-one basketball. It's literally, you stand at the three-point, this is their offense, Steve. You stand at the three-point line, all five guys, you know, spread out all across like a half-moon shape, and then one guy just chooses to play one-on-one ball. If the defense collapses, he kicks it out, and one of those guys either shits a three-pointer or drives. Are you kidding? <laughs> Who's won a championship doing that? Nobody. And remember, uh, Mike Danantoni, he's had some pretty dang good teams in the past when he was in Phoenix. Never they, got a team to the finals, games. yeah. They were regular Never got season. a team to the finals. No, no. So that's why they're not yep. optimistic. Their games just don't translate to what we'll know to be playoff basketball. All right, once again, the NBA is tr- wrestling with this big question. What is the definition of a most valuable player? Most valuable player. We'll give you our thoughts from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios coming up next. Progressive Insurance, creators of the Name Your Price tool. Choose from a range of coverage options and pick the price that works for you. Visit Progressive.com today. Hartman and Papinga. All right. I want to read some numbers for you, Brady, uh, from a guy named LeBron James. I'm going to put his season in perspective for you. LeBron James is going to do something this year that he has never done in his entire 15-year career. So it's 15 years in the NBA. The thing he's going to do this year that he has never done in his entire 15-year career is play all 82 games. This was going to be the first time he has ever done it where he played every single regular season game. And in doing so, he will also lead the league in minutes played per game. But that's just the beginning. This is a guy in his 15th year in the NBA who this year will set a record, personal record, for most rebounds per game of any season in his career. Most assist in any season of his career. His scoring average is the highest it's been in eight years. And going back eight years, his field goal percentage, as compared to the last time he scored this many points per game eight years ago, is 40 points higher field goal percentage, 34 points higher in his three-point percentage. This, by the way, with a not only a revolving door of teammates throughout the entire exactly. season, but a revolving door of coaches. Tyron Lue was out. I mean, it it's yeah. basically yeah. this is this, I mean, this is one of the most remarkable seasons by any NBA player ever. And when you consider again at age 33 wow. in his 15th season in the NBA and then I'm hearing all this talk about MVP and it's like 
Not good enough. Nobody's talking about it. You know, a year ago, Russell Westbrook had this historic season averaging a triple-double. By the way, if that's the case, he might win another because Russell Westbrook, how about this? The last two games, Russell Westbrook has had 31 rebounds. Why is that significant? With three games to go, he's averaging 9.9 rebounds a game. He's trying to do okay, it for the yeah. second straight year of averaging a triple double. But if his but he's not his teammates are helping him out. They let like if uh, he, he'll call you. to like thank he'll you. call to like Stephen Adams like hey I'm right behind you and Stephen right. Adams will get the rebound. But so the idea that he too. won the MVP because it was historic, you know, the idea was a triple double. Yeah, it had never been yeah. done before and like this. This is a historic year. What LeBron James has put together. No one in the history of the game. Remember, Michael Jordan didn't even play 15 years in the NBA. He only played 14. Jerry West only played 14. Magic Johnson played 12. This guy's in his 15th year in the NBA, career-high assist, career-high rebounds, highest scoring average in eight years, first time ever he'll play every single game while leading the league in minutes played, playing on a Cavaliers team that is a complete mess as far as personnel, coaching, and everything else. This is historic what he's doing. How is he not – the most valuable player in the NBA this season. We always talk about this, though, and it's it's simple. Miss, you could say, understanding of what the MVP means. Because to me, most valuable means if you took a guy and you said, okay, we're going we're gonna to equate what's his value to that team, with or without him. That's most valuable. And obviously, LeBron's every year the most valuable because we saw what he did immediately when he went from Cleveland to Miami, Miami back to Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland was a perennial losing team the second time he went back to Cleveland and immediately they became a contender just because of LeBron. Nice. I mean, that shows right there is his value. And nobody can say the same thing. And so, and it's not even close to me. So if you're going to just say the most valuable guy, who's the guy that their team most highly depends on? It's LeBron. Okay. But I do think that the, the award actually means something else because that's the literal translation of MVP. To me, it's a mo- who's had like the most outstanding year considering what their team's done then you know what i mean it's like it, it means it means something different than just who's most valuable but here we always you know we look at most value as being well who's the guy that really means the most to their team and it's always lebron lebron is i mean every year could win that award but uh, i do believe that the, the award doesn't mean that the award mostly means who's had the most outstanding year in comparison to other years also relative to their team success those kinds of things and and that's why this year James Harden's right in the conversation, probably well, going to win it in a runaway. In a runaway, run and 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 I heard our buddy yeah. Chris Broussard talk about this. You know, he's he's Mister NBA, and sure. you know our buddy Colin Coward's also been like you know like me on this LeBron thing. It's like it's ridiculous. Uh, and Broussard said, "You can rattle off all the stats you want. There's only two stats that matter: scoring and wins. He's the highest scoring player in the league." On the team that won the most games, done. You you, you can throw out all the other stats oh, out really? there. Oh, really? For the MVP, huh? And this is a guy, you know, Broussard, who's you know one of those guys who probably votes for the award and everything else. But in his bat, well, that's his, if you lead the league model. in scoring yeah. on the team that wins the most games, there is no conversation. Done. That's not true though, because it, to counter argue that is well, if you got assists, you're just as involved in scoring as if you scored it yourself. Well, his assists you know are saying? up there as well, though. I mean, he's third in the league in assists. Yeah. LeBron is second in the league in assists, and Russell Westbrook so really is first. Your, that's one thing nobody talks about. What's your total 
uh, scoring productivity, which to me is the 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 combination of right. the, the summation of assists and scoring. Whoever has the highest amount of that has the greatest impact on your team's outcome. And if that team wins, that would be a formula that makes sense. But just scoring itself doesn't encompass your full impact on the team in, the, in its ability to generate points and ability to win. But you, you, know, you would have a, to admit this. It's, and it's a little more deep, but I get what he's saying. I mean, it makes some sense, but I, I do believe it's a little bit too linear. There's a lot more other variables that have to be considered. Well, and the other thing about it is, and I, even I would have to admit this, assist and rebounds are, they can be tainted. You know, they I can. mean, you, you can go up for a shot, purposely miss it, and get your own rebound, there's your rebound. Or an you could assist. do that ten times. You could do that exactly. You know how many times I did that to myself when I played? I'd go up and like hit the bottom of the rim, hit the rim, hit the rim. I get like seven rebounds right. in one possession. Seven rebounds, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, you got. Seven. I'm gonna average twenty rebounds for the next four games. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and assist is the other thing. I mean, you know, you you throw the ball to a guy and he turns around and hits a twenty five footer. That's an assist. I'm like, really? I mean, how much did you have to do with that? You just happen to be the guy that's ruining <laughs> the ball. All right, we're in and the guy go Fox Sports Radio Studios. Yes. Um. We have a, a dynamic day going on today when it comes to golf. Hello, Masters. Uh, what a Saturday indeed. Moving day, as they like to say, in the world of golf. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. If this was a year ago, and I could tell those people getting ready for the Masters that Uh early in the third round, your leaderboard in the top (laughs) ten would include Ricky Fowler, Rory McIlroy, Bubba Watson, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, and Henrik Stenson, you'd be like, yeah. Only I could dream of those names up there. But this year, nobody cares because Tiger's name's not there. Tiger Tiger changed the whole dynamic of this Masters. You right now, you got you got the two unexpected guys at the top, Patrick Reed, Mark Leishman, Ricky Fowler, three under on the day, he's gotten a minus five. Rory McElroy trying to become just the sixth golfer ever to complete the career Grand Slam. He is one under the – he's at five under par. Then you got a two-time champion, Bubba Watson, at number four. Justin Thomas trying to make it two straight major wins at minus four. Jordan Spieth, minus four. Dustin Johnson, the world's number one at minus four. Henrik Stenson at minus four. You've got all the names you want right where you want them right now, and nobody cares because Tiger took all yep. the air out of the room. He just sucked he all the air out of the room. Nobody cared about all these. Because I'm watching, I love watching golf channels, especially, and they were talking about, you know, there's so many storylines. And I'm like, no, there's not. There's one storyline. The only storyline was yep. his comeback this year, and he was going yep. to be in contention to win a Masters and yep. complete one of the greatest comebacks in sports history. And it's not happening. He's not going to do it. He's, he's done. He, he was. Even par on the day, he's plus four. He's completely out of it going in the final round. So no matter how dynamic you want to twist this leaderboard at the Masters, all these high-ranked, top-ten-ranked golfers in the world, it gets a collective yawn, all because you did too much <laughs> to build up this dream that somehow Tiger Woods was ready to win a Masters 
having not even played in this tournament in three years, having played just yeah. eight tournaments since he came back from spinal fusion surgery, and you sold everybody on the idea that Tiger will be there come Sunday. He's not. <laughs> and so because of the overhype oh, on Tiger, man. what should be a much-anticipated final round of the Masters is going to get a big collective yawn. That's just reality, is it not? Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to like uh, you know, brainstorm as you were talking about like how could they make this? How could they manipulate it to somehow get them in there? You know, could there be some kind of like, you know, uh, I forget the game. I think it was like Survivor where you could go right. and pick somebody who had been kicked do- off the show and bring him back. You know, would you do that with guys <laughs> that you know certain got so far behind you like give them a bonus? I don't know. I mean, it'd be unfair to everybody else, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they would probably try to figure out a way too to make him part of their coverage tomorrow. Coverage, yeah, you know, somehow, some way. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think I would watch it, but it could be sort of cool if he was one of the color guys. I don't, I, that wouldn't do it for me. But yeah, I mean, but you had to go that way. If you were the Masters in golf, you always have to go with Tiger because he is the only kind of guy that's going to make any kind of movement with anybody that uh, wouldn't have had interest that all of a sudden would. And so you got to go with it. And you got to understand that, hey, he may not make it. And if that happens, then we got to be okay with that. But if he does and you don't give it the right kind of publicity that it needed, then you're really going to be kicking yourself. I, I, I do believe right now they're happy with how they handle things because that's the only way they could have done it. Ricky Fowler just birdied another hole. He was my pick, by the way, to win it this year. And I picked him because of all the – I looked at the list of the odds on who was going to win, right? And the highest-ranked sure. guy on the list who had not won a major – was Ricky Fowler, and eight of the last oh, nine go. majors have been won by first-time major winners. So I kept thinking, you know, Fowler's due like to do it. Uh, he is four under on the day through just six holes. He has an eagle and two birdies already, and now is just three shots off the lead, alone in third place at six under par. So you know, I just, I, I, you know, it's it's interesting watching these golf people because you know they they're constantly saying, oh, the sport's healthy and we're all good and everything, even with Tiger out. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Tiger comes back and they're like, whoa, Tiger. And they see the ratings skyrocket. I mean, Golf Channel's oh, ratings yeah. were up there. They had the biggest quarter they've had in years because of this <laughs> Tiger comeback and the networks and the ESPN ratings. So they were trying to sell the, oh, there's so many storylines here to, to talk about the Masters. And you're like, there's only one yeah. storyline. It's, it's Tiger Woods. No, I, w- I was trying to think about this. Maybe you could think about this well. I was trying to think about. If it ever does happen, I don't think it will, but you do think it will. The I idea do, yeah. the idea of an athlete, when we talk about comeback, greatest comebacks in sports history, to me, the only way to qualify for the greatest comeback is you have to be at the very top yeah. and then hit the very bottom and then get did. all the way to the very top again. Yeah, now, I'm trying to think on his way. there aren't a lot of stories like this on football wise. There's a couple. Um, one of them to me was Jim Plunkett. I mean, if you don't know the Plunkett story, so he won the Heisman really? trophy. Huh. He won the Heisman okay. trophy. He's the number one player in the NFL draft. So that's the highest of highs at the collegiate level, sure. right? He, he's there. Uh, in fact, he's rookie of the year. So he has this great rookie season, with the Patriots. He falls to the point, the Patriots deal him to the 49ers. He's so bad in San Francisco, they release him. He okay. is out of football. The Raiders decide, oh. we'll pick him up. His first year with the Raiders, he never plays. Not a single down. 
So he's hmm. he's essentially completely out of it, completely out sure. of it. The next year, he's the backup to Ken Stabler. He gets into a couple of mop-up games. Stabler starts every game. They think so little of Plunkett that they trade Stabler for Dan Pastorini. So instead of elevating Plunkett, they, they, they're they like, he can't play. We need somebody else. We're, we yeah. need somebody else. <laughs> Fifth game of the season, Pastorini breaks his leg. The Raiders are 2-3. and three. They've missed the playoffs two straight years. Now they're 2-3, and three, and they got to throw the Plunkett guy in. He goes 9-2 and two the rest of the way, wins four straight playoff games, they win the Super Bowl, and he's the most valuable player of the Super Bowl. That, to me, is awesome. as great as you go from the high to the bottom, Low all the way back to up high. to the top. Now, Tiger may do I – mean, there aren't many athletes that can say they've done that. No, no. I mean, there's some, like, smaller, you could say, cycles. You know, like, I think Vix is a smaller cycle where he's, you know, pretty dang good quarterback. Right. Falls to the depths of being in prison for two years, comes back and becomes pretty dang good again. Right. When he came back with the Eagles. Uh, but nothing like this. This would be one of the, this would be like you're talking about this unbelievable high, low, high. Right. That would uh, there's never been anything like this. No, they would I, nothing. I would if Tiger wins, I agree with it because they, again, when we're saying thing, high, though. he was at the very high. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was number guy. But here's the thing though, golf is set up to do that because you can play later into your years that sport. Sure. You know, whereas these other sports like baseball or any of them, you know, even baseball is a little bit more, but. Still, football and basketball is just too high impact. They're too high impact of sports to where when you're in your 40s, you could be able to somehow regain. How about Kurt your Warner? Form that you were in your 20s. Kurt, Kurt Warner was one of those guys. Yeah, you know, we can talk about how he came out of nowhere. You were saying but that. I mean, yeah. when you say the very high, think about forget his lead up to Bowl, the NFL. Super, he yeah. won a Super Bowl, right? He's a league MVP. When he ends up with the Giants, I mean, he's hit rock bottom. Right? Yeah. The only year with the New York Giants. He lost his confidence. He goes to uh, Cardinals as a a tutor, and then they put him back in. He gets all the way back to the Super Bowl. Have you won the Super Bowl? Yeah. It's pretty good, though. But it's just the the downswing in his wasn't as steep, though, because he wasn't out of football for a couple years. He was still, you know, churning away, grinding things out as a mentor to younger guys. But. yeah, I mean, that's it's in his scenario, he would have had to have won the Super Bowl again with the Cardinals. And exactly. then instead of going to the Giants and falling flat on his face, he would have been, had to have been out completely for like two years, again, bagging groceries, and then come back. That would have been like what we're potentially going to see with Tiger Woods. Like, cause, And Tiger, too, the, to compound on the downswing was this whole off-the-course drama with his you know an extramarital affairs and his wife him getting in a wreck and you know a whole all that sequence of events just makes it even more of a downward swing to where i mean right now i mean it's it's almost i would i mean he he's gonna have to win a big tournament but he's he's on this he's on the brink of making the greatest comeback ever i mean he's just got to win one of these tournaments right wouldn't you say that he would then complete the comeback? He wins well, one of the majors? I, you know, one thing right? about his final round. Here's what I need to see tomorrow from Tiger. Again, he has no chance, obviously. But but just need, overall, though. Needs, I mean, not tomorrow, but just overall. He needs to show me a round. I mean, he hasn't had a round in this tournament where you're like, wow. Yeah, he's on you fire. Know, I mean, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, he's he, just sort he of hanging on. 73, yeah. 75, 72. I mean, he said yesterday after shooting in the 75, you know, if I get a couple rounds in the 60s, how about a round in happy. the 60s? I mean, if he yeah. goes out no, tomorrow, no, yeah. let's say he shoots a 68-69, then you say, all right, you know, maybe he came a little too little too late, but as you head but to still, the U.S. Open and a couple, then you may, maybe maybe it's there. So uh, that, that's Steve, the very but, least. But yeah. just, just so I understand, though, for him yeah. to ultimately finish the comeback, mm-hmm. which is right now on track to be the greatest comeback in the history of sports, 
He just got to win a major, right? Mm -hmm. Just a major. A major to me. Just a he's major. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And so, I mean, I mean, right now he's already. You could already make an argument right now that he's he's had the greatest comeback. Couldn't you say so? If he just sustained, even if he never won a major, he just sustained sort of where he's flirting with it, and you know, in the top ten finishes and some majors, you could argue then that's still an unbelievable comeback, right? Even though he doesn't win the major. No, he's no. got to win the major. I mean, you just, you just right. like I said, the Kurt Warner right story. There, Kurt Warner story would have been so different had they actually won that Super Bowl. Think about that. He oh, took yeah. a Ram team that did nothing, win a Super Bowl, and yeah. then do it the Cardinals. I mean, I, I, he earned his spot in the Hall of Fame, but that would have been to no be the greatest comeback of all time. All right, um, sure. we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. There is a very sad NFL story that has just broken. And it's because who's involved that makes it that much worse. You'll find out who it is coming up next. Harmon and Papinga, you got to get to Hooters. Try those new smoked wings, a whole new way to crave wings. All the taste, half the calories. That means you can eat twice as many at Hooters. Wow. Talk about turning a feel-good story into anything but this one hurts pro bowl linebacker thomas davis who announced earlier that this will be his final nfl season that he would retire after the 2018 season it's just been announced that he tested positive for a banned performance-enhancing drug and will be suspended for the first four games of his NFL season. Brady, this comes from the winner of the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Yeah, man. One of the yeah. guys that made a miraculous comeback from devastating knee injuries to yeah, uh, make his ACLs. Yeah. three ACLs, uh, a guy that has been huge in the community, uh, you know, really sort of a prime example of, uh, you know, a, a poster boy. You remember when, when he won the yeah. Walter Payton a year award, he, 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 I mean, he got a bear hug, a tear hug from Commissioner Roger mm -hmm. Goodell because this is a guy that the NFL wants to put out there as this is the what this is a guy we want to represent our league, okay? He's a warrior on yeah. the field. He overcame a lot physically, came from extremely humble beginnings, made himself into the player he was, doing things in the community, selfless player, team guy. He's doing everything right. And here he is already announcing this is going to be at my final season in the NFL, and he gets busted for, for performance-enhancing drugs. Unbelievable. Because here's the thing. I, 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 I sent this rhetorical tweet out yesterday, but when you are taking supplements – yeah, you know there's this crazy list of banned substances you're not supposed to take because they are performance enhancers. I mean, the NFL does a very good job of communicating very clearly what you should take versus what you don't take. And when anybody ever gets busted and everybody's excuses, well, I've taken a supplement that I had no idea I had a performance enhancer. It's the worst excuse I can ever heard, and that's what he said. To me, just own up to it. You know what I mean? He didn't fight against it. He didn't appeal the uh, the suspension which he's basically already saying that, but just say, say, look, I did it because I needed an edge. I did it because I needed to recover quicker because my body was not holding up. Just tell us that because he's making us all out to be liars right now. You know, he thinks we're all stupid. Or I should say he's making us all out to be stupid. 
Because the reality is he knew that he was taking that. He was taking a, and so everybody knows he's taking a substance that was a estrogen blocker. Right. Which basically, which basically your body has estrogen and testosterone. Men have more testosterone than estrogen. Women have more estrogen than testosterone. That's what basically makes a man, man and a woman, a woman. Testosterone makes the man, the man. Women, estrogen is, is on the female side. But there are times with a, with a man to where there will be some estrogen that gets – there's more estrogen that is excreted or secreted, excuse me, that sort of takes over some of that testosterone. And then it's, it just slightly takes away from this testosterone benefits. And as you know, Steve, if you've uh, worked with a, a company who does testosterone yes. injections, which right. is legal, by the way, if you're you know somebody that needs a testosterone injection. I've been doing fine. it for not, months you know, and months and months. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So you know all about this kind of stuff. Sure. But, and so what he was basically doing is he he was making sure that none of his testosterone was replaced by any estrogen, which is a very subtle way of giving himself an edge. Because people always say, well, why, why does that make a difference? Well, I'll tell you what makes a difference. When you're a high-impact sport where your muscles are being put under tremendous stress, I am talking training on top of playing stress, which is beyond what – heck, halftime, I can't even believe I used to do that to myself – uh, you you need that little extra testosterone to recover because if you don't, you're going to run the in, the run the risk of further injuries, soft tissue injuries, whether it's hamstrings, muscle pulls, things of that nature, or that then potentially could lead to bigger things, which are structural injuries, which he has had already three of those talking about ACLs. So he's looking at it like, hey, this is a little something subtle that I'll do to to try to give me that extra edge to to finish this out strong. And uh, to me, the the saddest part is 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 not that he did it because everybody you know everybody's got their skeletons in the closet, okay? And, and I mean, there's guys that I play with that it was very clear they were on some performance enhancer. Again, the NFL does not have a perfect testing system. They do not test for HGH, people. Okay, Tom Brady, for all we know, could be on HGH, and we'll never know because the NFL doesn't test for it. So just let's all keep that in mind. Tom Brady. Could so there are guys Tom out Brady there that could do that. He could. <laughs> Anybody could. Any player could do that. That's right. my point. But the thing is, is, is Thomas Davis needs to come even cleaner and say, look, I knew what I was doing. And it sounds like he's been doing it for years. And he may have been able to circumvent the system. Like I said, the system is already set up to be circumvented with HGH. And so I, I find that to be the biggest travesty. They just don't come out and just tell us. Just say, hey, man, I was looking for an extra edge. I was taking the substance. Maybe he was you know, getting tested and it wasn't showing up. Maybe also he was having some kind of uh, uh, substance to make it to where it wouldn't be detected. Uh, I don't know, but just tell us that. That's all I would like to well, hear. And I mean, it, Sean Merriman was in the same position and a number right. of other guys. Well, they, they uh, were Antonio taking stuff Gates. and they knew they were. Antonio yeah, Gates they knew did they the were. same thing where he said, you know, I, I have no idea. They all have the same story. But for Thomas Davis, fed to him. It, it hurts just a little more. And he actually tweeted out, this is by far one of the saddest days of my NFL career. I never thought this would happen to me. I've worked extremely hard to do things the right way on and off the field. Panther Nation, please know I am not a cheater. And again, he says, I've never well, tested positive for steroids or HGH. They don't do HGH testing the way they need to exactly. if you're going to detect that. So that you can throw that yes. out the window. And then he, he said this. He yeah. goes, I can honestly tell you guys that my conscience is clear in this situation. And as bad as it hurts me to sit here and tell you guys this, I know it's going to hurt a lot of people who have looked up and believed in Thomas Davis over the years. Just that, know that in no way, in no way, 
Have I done anything intentionally to try to cheat the game? See, that's the problem. Yeah, and when that's he said, the problem. He said, because I've taken no the way. same supplements Steve, for just, the last seven or eight yeah. years, never had any issues. Well, maybe because you were taking a masking substance with it and you didn't take one. Or the, the, Well, what happens, too, is the NFL, their systems evolve, too. They try to have their systems other than HGH, unbelievably enough, which right. I still can't get my mind around. But they still try to have their systems be a step ahead of the evolution of this performance-enhancing drug world than the players. So who's to say that he was able to circumvent the system taking this substance, which he knew he was, that all of a sudden the NFL finally is like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna take this to another level because we realized we weren't testing or we weren't able to test this masking or whatever this masking agent was throwing our test off, and he was unable to then respond, which then only concludes that he knew in fact what he was doing and he knew that he was circumventing it. That doesn't make his argument any more clear. And so that's the problem I have, is that if you're gonna do something like that. It's just admit it, man, because I can't imagine you taking some. I mean, because most guys take protein, you know, protein is a pretty common supplement that people take to 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 maintain muscle mass and to also help recover from rigorous workouts and things. And I've never heard of somebody taking protein and oh, my gosh, it had some kind of illegal performance enhancement substance in there. You know, I've never heard of that, you know, or just any common supplement. Never heard of that. So it's just a flat-out lie, and I find that to be it's tough. Just admit it. You messed up. You made a mistake. He did. He's got to. That's the thing is they don't ever want to do that, right? Because I guess what's hard about his apology is that he's saying that I never intentionally anybody knowingly, yeah, but I'm sorry, yeah. but it's not my fault because I was taking something I had no idea. I mean, get out of here. I just I have a tough and to me I have a tough time with it because I absolutely followed the rules to the T. You know, I'm one of those guys that. I didn't touch anything that would even have any potential uh, illegal substance in it because I didn't want to, A, break the rules because I knew those were the rules and I, I wanted to have a clean conscience and say, hey, man, I played it as straight up as possible. And then uh, you go out there and guys like this are you know out there going behind the system and stuff. You feel like, well, shoot, why am I doing this? Then? <laughs> so, I mean, sort ultimately for you, the very I mean, this is a guy you know, Thomas Davis. You know this yes, guy. Know. He played yeah. your position. I mean, he's a linebacker. All right. Do you think yeah. less of him because of this? I don't because, it, like I said, it's the nature of the business. It's a competitive business, and you're always looking for that edge. And not everybody takes the straight line kind of – I was a very – I just took great pride in beating, being able to play great but at the same time not have to do anything to, you know, to, to sort of jeopardize my future health because a lot of these do that. And then also you know, go outside of the rules – but I also understood that tons of guys did that, and, and it's because it's so highly competitive, and there are st- like like HGH th- is the most common one that isn't tested. And if you're playing a very highly competitive business, and where there's a lot of money to be made, and you know they can't test for HGH, and you have a supplier that nobody's going to find out about, guys are going to take advantage of that. And so I was, I mean, I was fine. I mean, I was fine with it, but at the same time, it's it's just like if you get caught, just let everybody know that uh, you weren't you know, bedoozled, <laughs> let everybody know that, Hey man, this was part of my plan. And I just got caught. I mean, don't tell us this stupid same story of, Oh, I was taking a supplement. I had no idea it was laced with the performance. Yeah, I've heard it time and time again. Anymore. All right. We're in the Geico yeah, Fox sports buying. radio studios. If you want to live a long life, I mean, a long life, keep the job you have. I got the stories. Unbelievable. But first, uh, let's bring David Gascon on once again. That leaderboard That's is a- 
something else right now at the Masters. Yeah, it's tricky, and that's a great story you're going to bring up here yes. in just a second, too, yeah. Steve. We'll talk some golf right now. Patrick Reed is your leader at the 2018 Masters. He's at minus eight. Ricky Fowler is two strokes behind along with Rory McIlroy. Bubba Watson's at minus five, and Dustin Johnson's still hanging around as well. He's at four under par. As far as Tiger Woods goes... He's plus four and done for the day. I'm putting so well today. Uh, this week I'm hitting so many good putts that it's not going in, but I, I'm not hitting close enough. I'm just not getting up there and not taking advantage of the par fives. And you know, consequently, you know, a good fought round is even par. So Tiger's plus four and Phil Mickelson is bringing up the, the caboose. He's at plus seven and he's done for the day as well. In Major League Baseball, Bryce Harper has gone yard for the fifth time this season, but the Mets lead the Nationals 3-2. Anthony Rendon and also his manager, Dave Martinez, were ejected from that ball game. Xander Bogarts is two for three, couple runs scored. He has a slam and a double, six runs driven in. Red Sox 10, Rays two, Yankees on top of the Orioles 5-3. to three. Tigers two, White Sox nothing. St. Louis is all over Arizona early on. It's 5-2 St. Louis in the bottom of the third inning. Dexter Fowler has a run scored. Jose Martinez has gone yard as well for St. Louis. Fellas? All right. Thank you so much, David. And uh, once again, a reminder, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Let me tell you about a man by the name of Phil Coyne. C-O-Y-N-E. Phil Coyne. He's a uh, Pittsburgh guy. And later this month, he will turn 100 years old. Which is always a milestone, obviously. Anyone lives to be 100 years old. But what makes Phil Coyne a little different than the normal person uh, turning 100 is that he just announced his retirement from his job. Phil Coyne has been... been, working until 100. Yeah. How about this? Phil Coyne has worked as an usher... At Pittsburgh Pirate Games for 81 years. Wow. He started working be a record. as wow. an usher for Pirate Home Games in 1936. The only time wow. he ever took off from his job when he served our country in the armed forces during World War II. So we'll give him a pass on that. I love it. He has followed the Pirates from their early days at Forbes Field to Three Rivers Stadium to their current PNC Park. Since they moved to PNC, he's worked sections 26 and 27 down the third baseline. The team gave him a number 99 jersey with his name on his back last summer, and the Pittsburgh Council designated last August 29th as Phil Coin Day. But mm. they have decided that that's that. And uh, he will not work this year. He will return 100 later this month. Can you imagine doing the same job? I feel like I've been doing this job that long, but not quite. <laughs> 81 oh, man, years. That's impressive. 1936. Wow. That's cool, though, though. That's a cool job to have for that long because you're you're watching baseball. Thousands you know I mean? you're, and you're doing thousands the of stuff. games he's gone to. Yeah, thousands of games, but you're just seeing generation after generation. Yeah. I mean, I'd be curious to hear of the list of all the great players that he has seen live and in color while he's been working. I mean, it's probably been unbelievable to well, the generations think about this. and the great ones he's been able to behold. Think of just, just the Pirates. When he first started working there, the Wainer brothers, 
both in the Hall of Fame. Big Poison, Little Poison were the stars. They had a great Hall of Fame third baseman, Pie Trainer. Then think about all those years, like when the Pirates won the World Series in 1960. Bill Mazeroski hitting the, the game-winning home run in game set. He's there. Roberto Clemente's entire career. Willie Stargell's entire career. I mean, this guy's in, and then that doesn't count the players that went against the Pirates that he is seeing. I mean, this yeah. guy oh, goes no, yeah. back to like Mel Ott. Uh, this, I mean, Stan the Man Musial. Wow. You know, he saw Jackie Robinson when he first broke into the major leagues. And, and I mean, sure. that is incredible history. So, 81 years as an usher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Phil Coyne, who'll be 100 later this month, has uh, called it a career. He said, that's, uh, I've done my time. 81 years. Well, there you go. What is the That's longest crazy. you ever had a job? One job in one place. <laughs> one job in one place is just the, the Packers for six years. Six years. <laughs> six years. Yeah. My, you know, my dad, he worked the same job, same office for 40 years. So, but that, that was sort of the norm. Right. Well, my dad did uh, at 20th Century Fox Studios. He worked there for 32 years at 20th Century Fox Studios, and then they closed his department. He worked five more years after that at a uh, uh, like an independent uh, post production, you know, as a sound effects editor. Sure. But uh, you're right. That was the norm. You know, you had a job, and then you just stayed there. You know, in our business, it's difficult, as I have found out. I've I've had a revolving door. Although you and I may make. You know, we, we could end up doing, what is this now? This is oh, yeah. I mean, three full years for three? us. Three? Three. Yeah. yeah. Wait, have we already done three full together? So we're on year four? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We've done, let's see here. Wow, look at that. Let's we're see. We're flying, yeah, man. 2015, Yeah, this is like our fourth year doing this show together. <laughs> look at that. Yeah. So there right. you go. This may break my record here, Steve. <laughs> if we keep going for another couple of years, I can say, now this with Steve has been the longest oh, I've been in one job. Man. How about that? No, you yeah, know, for some people, you changed. know, there's something to be said about this. I, I feel in, in some ways, at least with my career, having had so many co-hosts and, and it actually has worked to my benefit because I think for me personally to do the same thing yeah. over and over in the same setting for it would drive oh. me nuts. So I've been, be stale. circumstances yeah. of, I haven't always been in my control, but it's been one of those things where I've, I really, my, my radio career over almost 30 years now, it's almost been divided in these five-year segments, you know, it's five or six years with one person, then whatever the circumstance might be, another five years or, you know, up and down for San Diego, LA, National, whatever it might be. But, I mean, I in some ways, to me, there's a certain appeal to that. You know, this this guy that, that just found his niche and did it for as long as he did. I, I think of fans that, you know, you, you hear these stories all the time. Like, they've been to every game of this, you know, the Packer fans. Yeah, you yeah. you had that in Green Bay all the time where, you know, they've gone to every Green Bay game since, oh, you sure, know, yeah. Bart Starr's rookie year or something like that. And I, and I look <laughs> yeah. at people like that, and you may say it's simple and everything. I don't know, the simplicity of it all, but the commitment to it all just, I don't know, it just sounds appealing to me. It's impressive. From yeah, afar. Cool. From afar. Yeah. By the way, yeah, I, I, but I don't. To, I don't know. I don't know. You might lose. You might lose your mind though, doing the same thing over and over. You might, like I, like you said, need a little spice of variety. I need to it. Keep personal. Excited. I need it personal. Yeah. I'm with you too. I'm with you too. But hey, yeah. kudos to that guy to be able to, eighty some years in the same gig. Whoa. 
That is a huge accomplishment. <laughs> All right, 81 years. 81. 1936, which was the year, of course, that Jesse Owens won his four gold medals at the Summer Olympics in 1936 wow. uh, in Berlin is when Phil Coyne was starting to work home games for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I want to get into some stuff. We'll carry it over into what is our final segment about, you know, that that bucket list. I want I want sure. every once in a while we bring in that bucket list of of things you want to do in life uh, when it relates to the world of sports. Uh, and I sure. want to get into this whole because every year we get to the Masters, okay? And yeah. you know I you know me I I love all sports. I'm a, I'm an across the yes. board guy. And I, you know, you, kind of sore. you know, I, I love it all. I sample everything and I have an appreciation and I've dug into the history of every sport. I just have this insatiable appetite for it. But the thing about the Masters and what makes it a very unique is that the setting never changes. It's it's the same place. It's the same yeah, butler yeah. cabin. It's the same holes, the same thing. And so it's sort of just, it just, and it, it every year is the same. So it's like. I'm watching in 2018 what I watched in 1988 or 1978. It's it's the same thing. And I think to myself, even though I've watched it all these years, how cool would it be to, to just go there? You know, see sure. oh, see sure. it for the first time. And there is a chance. I, I've been discussing this with a friend of mine that feels the same way I do about that event. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. that next year I might actually do it. Take the plunge? Ooh. Look now, at you. ironically, how I could do it is, and it's not cheap. Let me let me make this clear. <laughs> Getting into the Masters, yeah, you don't investment. you don't just go up to the door and say, Hey, I like some tickets for the Masters. That's not the way it works. It's like Packer season tickets, right? It's a long list. I mean, yeah. that there's a waiting list forever. So well, maybe the, use your uh, media credentials to get you in, huh? That's not working either. They, I tried that. In that's fact, the how about this? Same list, huh? You got to get this? on a waiting list for that. My first year working at CBS uh, Channel Two in Los Angeles, and CBS have obviously has carried the Masters forever. We got this idea that they wanted to send me to Augusta, which I thought was phenomenal, <laughs> right? Oh, so yeah. they contacted yeah. them and they said, you know, we have we're LA. And we'd like to send a reporter out there to cover the Masters. Obviously, it's L.A. It's a huge market. And they said, he can come on down. Here's the problem. He's not actually allowed on the grounds. In other words, he could stand, let's say, at the entrance of the driveway of Magnolia Lane. Oh, my goodness. And he could broadcast to his heart's content. But he is (laughs) not. can't go on the course. There is nowhere on this course. That's not covering the that's not covering the Masters though, unless you could actually go there and watch them golf. What is that? All right, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a little on. insight on if 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 this is something. I won't tell you the source, but I can give you some numbers. Okay. Uh, numbers. All right. All right. And then I'm going to ask you whether it's actually worth it. All right. Uh, by it. the way, you can always follow us on Twitter. April at Brady Papinga at Cannon Hartman. That's how we like to correspond with our listeners out there. Get your thoughts as well. From the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, is it worth the price? We'll tell you coming up next. Harmon and Papinga brought to you by Granger. Products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got your back to help keep your facility running. Granger, for the ones who get it done, I want to thank the crew today. 
Nick, feeling good about his Angels, Hello. despite the fact that Mike Trout is off to a rough start. Hey. Who needs him? Hey, hey well, Otani's off to a great start, so it, even, it evens out. David Gascon. <laughs> Saw David at a Padre games this week, hanging out. In fact, we're the only guys to wow. see him win a game at <laughs> home this year. And they were 1-6 <laughs> in six on their opening homestand. Robert, good to see Robert back. Hell yeah. Where you been, Robert? I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but now he is reunited with us. All right, I want to run down. If and again, I can't plug this person because it's against radio rules. But I can, I can give you sure. the gist of of um, an example. If you were thinking about doing, let's say, a VIP experience, okay, to okay. experience Masters Week. All right. So I have a friend of mine who's been putting together these packages to go to the Masters for several years now. And it basically breaks down into two packages. They have what they call the week experience and then the weekend experience. So here's okay. what you get. So first of all, you got to get there. You're on your own there. In other words, it doesn't include airfare. This is when you actually get to Augusta. So they put you up okay. in a VIP accommodations. It's like this How They have a couple of houses there that are specifically for guests. And it gives you all the amenities. I got butler service. You got, you know, special dinners and everything else sure, where you're sure. staying. So mm-hmm. that's first class all the way. But here's, here's your choices on the two packages as far as being at Augusta. There's okay. so many things about Augusta that are really interesting. For instance, you say, well... Do they, do they, you're about, let's say you're staying a couple miles away in these houses. Do they take you to Augusta? No, no, they don't. Uh, you fly in, you have your rental car, but parking's free okay. at Augusta. You don't pay for parking at Augusta National. They have parking everywhere. So if you got tickets to go to see the Masters, you don't have to pay for parking. And as you know, food on the grounds is almost nothing. The most ex- expensive food item they have is three dollars and their famous pimento really? sandwich is only a buck fifty you want to get a beer three bucks so they that's the one thing that's beautiful about augusta if you can get in but getting in is next to <laughs> impossible because people hang on to their tickets forever but this guy has access to tickets so here's your two options as far as tickets are concerned if you choose the midweek tuesday wednesday thursday you will have tickets to be there all day at Augusta, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on the grounds. Now, Tuesday, you're there for all the practice rounds. Wednesday, you're there uh-huh. for the practice rounds and the par three competition. You're talking about practice. And then Thursday, you're there for the first round of the Masters, which, by the way, would also okay. start off with the ceremonial Nicholas and Gary Player tee shot. So the, the thing, good thing about that package is, is that you would be able to see all the golfers, right? In other words, yeah. you, and all the, you know, see them in action, too. See them in action the historic golfers, first round, even those old timers that might be playing for the last time, you get to see all that. And the other thing is, remember this, cameras are not allowed on the grounds unless you're there during the week. If you want to get a picture of all hmm. these guys, you want to go during the week because at the par three contest, you can take pictures with everybody. They'll let the cameras on. But once the tournament begins, uh-uh. Those are off off limits. It's over, yeah. Or the second package is you have tickets for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Round two, Ooh, okay. three, and four. All right? So you're saying, all right, well, how Got much it. is that? How much is that? So you're you're paying for the accommodations. This does not include travel, tickets. You're there for three days. 
okay, three days on the grounds the whole time, how much uh-huh. would it set you back? All right. So the question is, guys, I want you to listen up here. All right. Robert, Nick, Gascon. All right. I'm going to give you two packages here. The first package where you, again, the good thing good about during the week is you can bring your camera onto the grounds, take the pictures, everything, practice round, par three contest, first round of Masters, three days, including accommodations, but not including transportation, six grand. Or you go the weekend, rounds two, three, and four, can't bring your camera on the grounds, but you're there, 5,700. Which one? <laughs> it's the same. All right. So basically, oh, what man. what oh. would be the more appealing package to you, Brady? If if someone said I'll pay for it, you want to see the real competition? Yeah, the, I so Friday, see, Saturday, yeah, Sunday. I, yeah, I'd want to see the real deal. I'm 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 not as big and interacting with the guys. Exactly. I I, a little bit. You know what? It makes all the sense. Right. Of competition. Yeah. Does that sound like a lot of money? If if it's one of those once in a lifetime experiences to you. No, I, I think it's very reasonable. If, if, in airfare and uh, everything's included in that? No, no airfare. Oh, you, that's, that's just that's your accommodations. There. That, I mean, that's your VIP accommodations. And well, does it include your hotel stay or anything like that? Or no, that that is, purely... there's no hotel stay. You're staying in a special place. You're not oh, staying okay. on the grounds, you. but you're staying in a special house where they yeah. have food and everything. So it's the all only taken expense care of that isn't... That, so the only it's a travel is to the and there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good deal. Very right? good deal. Isn't that Especially a good if deal? it's like a once in a lifetime. Thank yeah, you. Check it off the best. Yeah, yes, John. How about you? Perfect. If it's anything like opening day at Del Mar, then I'm all for it. Well, that's all the women you're looking at well, at the opening day Del Mar. Well, yeah, I'm not a golf guy. So <laughs> come on, Steve. Say, hold on. I've done yeah, sweet in the now. I've done me. opening day Del Mar usually in a completely. <laughs> bombed out state of mind you want to you want to start bringing up opening day del mar now you're going down a wrong path <laughs> no okay? no 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 yeah mid-30s All i right. gotta do this so is uh, anybody else here looking at the master's experience as like a bucket list thing i am i am i am seriously i have a couple friends of mine i next year might be the year especially Dude. now that tiger's back you know what i mean so you get to oh, see him out there. Oh, that would be huge, because then he could go right into your face when he wins and go, I told you, Stevie. Yeah. I told you. I told you I'd do it. You'd never <laughs> see it fucking in color, man. Uh, and you'd be like, wow. All right. That's unbelievable. All right. So uh, I, I got I to catch up with your bucket list one of these days. Yeah, man. Yeah, 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 you got yeah. a big one. <laughs> yeah. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.